All right, well, my handy gavel here. Call the meeting to order this evening. This is the Sycamore Township Board of Trustees meeting for Tuesday, April 6, 2021, convening at our regular 7 p.m. meeting time. I'm calling the meeting to order, and it is 7 p.m., as I noted. Uh, I believe we have an invocation. Mr. Miller, were you going to be delivering that? Yes, sir. Let me ask if anyone's able to stand where you are, uh, please do so. And then we'll have your invocation and continue with Pledge to, of Allegiance to the flag. Uh, this is from uh, All Saints Church. Heavenly Father, we praise you and give you thanks for the many blessings you have given us and the people of Sycamore Township. As we begin this meeting, we ask that you send us your Holy Spirit. Help us follow the example of our Lord, Jesus Christ, as we make our decisions. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And if we can get the flag up, we'll do the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag, the flag of the United States of America, America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty, liberty and justice, and justice for, all. for all. You may be seated, as the minister would say. All right. Uh, Mr. Porter, would you call the roll, please? Mr. LaBarbera? Here. Mr. James? I'm here. Mr. Weedman? Present. All right. Let the record reflect all the trustees and fiscal officer are present here for the evening. Um, first of all, first order of business, as we've uh, discussed at length over the last year, the state of Ohio has authorized local government bodies to meet through remote means during this pandemic, and we're doing that tonight through video conference. Votes here have the same effect as if approval had occurred during an open in-person meeting of the public body, although this is an open meeting online. Uh, state law permits resolutions and other township documents to be signed with an electronic signature. Would each of you uh, please give your consent to placing your electronic signature on any items approved in this meeting which require your signature? And I give I my approval. Electronic signature. I give my approval. I give my approval. Very good. Also approved. Thank you all. All right. Uh, first order of business then after this is approval of the minutes of the March 16th, 2021 trustee meeting. Motion to approve. Second. And we have those on screen in just a moment briefly here. And these, of course, have been available on the township website beforehand. Any discussion as to these from anyone? No. All right. Hearing no discussion, Mr. Porter, will you call the roll, please? Mr. LaBarbera. Aye. Mr. James. Aye. Mr. Weedman. Aye. All right. Mr. Miller, if you'll take that down. Mr. Miller, also, your mic was cutting out a little as you were delivering the invocation. I, I don't know if there's a setting you might want to switch for that. You've been able to fix that in the past, but I thought I'd mention that now so you'll be ready for later. Thanks, Next sir. Time, yeah, sure. Next item on the agenda is public comments. And, and let me note first, uh, we welcome comments from the public here. This is a time, uh, a four-minute time that we allot to members of the public to deliver comments to the Board of Trustees. Uh, we ask you to observe rules of decorum and civility and so forth. This is not a Q&A session. Uh, people uh, on the board or others here as part of the meeting may choose to respond during the meeting to questions that are raised or at some time in advance. 
but this is an opportunity for the public to comment. It's not a time to deliver attacks on people or anything of the sort, of course, uh, but please tell us what you think or what you think about the township and what it's doing. Um, we've got several people present here, so I guess we'll go in alphabetical order and we'll go with John Abraham first. How are you, John? Another day in the coal mine making a living, huh? Do you need uh, anyone to give you time warnings or anything, or have you got that covered? Give me what? Time warnings for the four minutes. Do you want Mr. Miller to? You know, I guess that would be helpful. Okay, Scholar, if you could let him know when he's uh, getting near the end, please. Go ahead, John. Yeah, I find it necessary to follow up on my comments from last June 4th concerning township business practices. Transparency is good for government. I read earlier this year where the original two-year contract for the Sycamore Township Administrator at 116700 for year one and 120000 for year two was torn up in less than one year by mutual agreement between the parties and a new one created at a substantially higher salary of 135000 new year two and 140 for year three with a $550 monthly car allowance. This was done in a single meeting reading during a public uh, pandemic year when so many people and businesses were struggling to make ends meet. It is not, I've not been able to read anywhere where this township employee was assigned a measurable defined goals to achieve in less than the, in less than the first year of the contract to justify such a large base salary increase. Such defined goals are typically assigned by the employer and covered in each annual review. After meeting these goals, a salary increase of reasonable amount is normally awarded. In most businesses where an usually high performance is reviewed, management will award the employee with a one-time bonus rather than a substantial evergreen salary plateau. Recently, Fairfield searched for a new finance director. A gentleman hired, the gentleman hired was one of 19 applicants. Multiple levels of interviews were conducted by the senior staff. The position pays $114,000. Sycamore Township, on the other hand, according to their minutes, accepted one resume for administrator position sometime in late 2019 as reviewed by one trustee and one trustee elect. No other resume sought, no set standard or credentials of credentials, no women and no minorities were interviewed. This is a good MBA case study comparison of how to do it right versus wrong. Trustee LaBarba stated in minutes this year that he backs Ray work 100%. Maybe the trustees should have provided a reasonable salary increase to 120 for year two per the original contract. Then after the original two year contract was fulfilled, a one-time bonus could have been awarded if they achieved written goals justified a bonus. Otherwise the trustees should perhaps pony up their own cash for such lavish spending rather than a permanently increasing the management salary budget line so quietly in a pandemic year. A 15.7% increase over 2020 in year two and 19.8% over 2020 in year three would indicate we have tax dollars to burn. For previous minutes, Trustee LaBarbin, when discussing the former administrator's compensation stated, quote, there's nothing that indicates Mr. Bickford had other offers. You were irresponsible and just padded his and other employees contract. Maybe Trustee LaBarbe would like to recycle this statement as it relates to this latest contract enhancement. Sure. That's it. Thank you, Mr. Abraham. We appreciate your comments. 
And Thank let you. me encourage you, by the way, the township has citizen input committees. Sounds like you've got some expertise in the HR area and thoughts as to that. We have a finance committee that has several members, which meets regularly to talk about township finances. HR might be within its purview also. Let me encourage you to get involved with that. Thank you, sir. I'm involved as a citizen. That's the way it's going to stand. I'm running a manufacturing company. I don't have time for uh, pay by the word. I get paid by the deed. All right. Good to see you. Thank you. Uh, Next, we have uh, Jay Janice Jr., who has signed up. Mr. Janice. And let me ask if anyone's not speaking, uh, Mr. Abraham and others, after you've delivered your comments, if you would mute your microphone. And after we pass the public comments period, we're going to ask the members of the public to shut off their video, although you're uh, welcome to stay in the meeting and continue watching from here or go to the Vimeo feed. Mr. Janice, uh, whenever you're ready. You are muted, Mr. Janice. There you go. Okay. Can Mr. Miller put up the timer so I can see it? Uh, just a moment here. Are we ready? Well, let's go. Can you hear me okay? Yes, sir. Great, thank you. Um, in the interest of full disclosure, I'm a member of the Sycamore Township Ohio Parks Advisory Committee. And I'd like to read a letter from a township resident. And the resident is my wife. This is faxed and sent to all Sycamore Township trustees around April 1st, 2021. The letter is dated April 1st, 2021. Dear Sycamore Township Trustees, I wish to petition you about the fireworks event that Mr. Josh Burton presented last July 4th, 2020. While we are in the midst of a worldwide pandemic, it was a refreshing relief to enjoy the outdoors in a beautifully maintained Sycamore Township Park. While everyone present at the event respected the six-foot rule of distance between families, everyone had a wonderful time. Mr. Thornton provided delicious food, drinks, and lively entertainment before the fireworks display. I hope that the trustees will consider another such event display for the public to enjoy this year. This is a wonderful way for the different communities in Sycamore Township to come together and enjoy our diversity. I would hope that you would consider sponsoring, supporting, and endorsing another such event this year. Respectfully, yours and the sign of Zenith Janus, 4462 Daffodil Avenue, Cincinnati, Ohio, 45242. <coughs> uh, a couple of comments that I have is um, on um, in front of 8805 Lancaster. I brought this up before. Um, the pavement, the blacktop has been slowly over the years, I guess on the scene breaking up. And since we had the sidewalk program going and I guess it's getting warmer out, I was hoping this, the trustees, the administrator of the road department might address that and at least put a nice patch that would have hold for the season over that the future considerations to make it more uh, permanent. I was also wondering, since there apparently is um, COVID funding available for many things which we can improve and allow more inclusions for Sycamore Township citizens, if the administrator and trustees would consider um, blacktopping the trail that is in Bechtel Park behind the former um, shelter number five. It's currently, I guess, gravel and dirt. Um, before you might consider that or going out for bids, 
I would like to know if you would consider getting some free estimates for that, for asphalt and so forth, to make it more inclusive. Um, in, um, oh, and I'd also like to urge support for Mr. Fortin and his uh, committee, which is known as Red, Whites, and Boons, and the township administrator, trustees, and community to, um, as my wife said, to support, which would be the second annual fireworks display. This would be in McDaniel Park in Sycamore Township, Ohio, on July 4th. Uh, 2021. Since we're all, um, many of us are getting the vaccinations, we're still in, in, uh, doing the social distancing and masking. I believe this would be readily achieve, achievable. Mr. Uh, Fortin presented, made a presentation to our parks committee at the last meeting, and we um, unanimous, those of us who are there unanimously uh, supported it. Also, Kathy Kuzler, a member of that committee, and Tina Early, another member had brought up an idea of having a scavenger hunt around late summer, early fall. I would urge all of you to uh, consider that. She has some great ideas for that, and this would help um, allow the community to get out in the fresh air. And for those of you that may be hesitant because of the COVID issues, obviously fresh air, that would be served. Um, and the, um, I hope you would consider to have um, Keep me updated on the business on Lancaster, which adjoins my property for status on how that may be developing. And I thank you for your time. Thank you, Mr. Janice. Uh, Ms. Kugler, you're next. Hello. I wanted to uh, ask Tracy Kellums if he was there tonight. Uh, to respond to uh, an email I sent in March 28th. Uh, I wanted information on the cost of blacktopping the nature trail at Bechtold Park so that I could then take that information back to the Parks Advisory Committee in conjunction with our survey uh, and come back to the trustees with perhaps a suggestion in this area. Um, he uh, did not respond to my email with either a out of the office or someone else. So not sure uh, how to get a hold of him. Uh, I sent an email and didn't get anything back, period. Kathy, uh, I apologize for interrupting. He did respond to you and copied me this afternoon. He's been on vacation the last week. Just wanted to let you know that. Okay. The other item I was seeking information from, from Mr. Kellams was that in the winter, uh, could we uh, clear the walking paths in uh, Cleet McDaniel Bechtold and Schuler. Uh, I brought this up at another meeting, and um, I think you, Mr. James, popped it back to Mr. Kelms, and I never heard anything else about that. So I'm still interested in that. Uh, the third item is I'm asking that the township support uh, the 4th of July fireworks by providing the use of Fleet McDaniels Park at no cost uh, and coordination with uh, the park's uh, 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 supervisor, uh, Mr. Petty, uh, and to advertise this uh, program through all of the township's uh, options. Um, this is free to uh, Sycamore Township residents, and our parks are need to be utilized more by residents of the township. So thank you, and I hope to hear back on the uh, paving and the uh, clearing of the uh, uh, paths. Um, and so thank you very much. 
Thank you. Thanks, thanks, Kathy. And I think Mr. Kellum's addressed both of those in his email back to you, but maybe he can do that in his report later on too. I haven't read that email. I have not read that email, so thank That's you. That's what I figured. Thank you. Any other public comments signed up from anyone? Going once, going twice. All yeah. right. So, uh, yes. Sorry, uh, Mr. Standish Fortin, but he said he was probably going to be late, so uh, I, I guess we didn't. Want I'm here. You can hear me. Oh, very good. Okay. Mr. Fortin, you're up. Hello, everyone. Thank you. Uh, thank you all for your service. I would like to also remind people uh, April 19th is coming up, which is the original Patriot Day for our country. Uh, might want to do a little research on that if that is new to you, but it's from 1775. Uh, the reason I wanted to make public comments tonight is regarding a report that I discovered that I forwarded two pages of to Skyler. I'm not sure if Skyler was able to receive that. I did send it right before the meeting. Um, if it's possible to put the second page of that report up, a picture is worth a thousand words. Skyler, I don't know if that's possible. Can you give me a second? Thank you. What I am asking him to put up is part of a report that was done by the city of Sharonville with regarding to their safe route to schools. Uh, they took the initiative upon themselves uh, in conjunction with the schools uh, that some of their residents and some of our residents go to to draft a safe routes to school plan, analyzing uh, many facets. Um, Skylar, is it possible that they can see that file now? We can. It's up. Okay, so hopefully on page two, you'll see that there's a map of an area in Northern Sycamore Township, uh, which shows the High Point area, as well as the Stewart Elementary School. They are proposing a safe routes to school program, for lack of a better description, which they are seeking funding for. Uh, I have asked uh, over the last three years uh, what the status was uh, with regard to trying to get sidewalks in our township, specifically in the Fields Fertile Corridor area because of the pending construction, and I've heard nothing. It appears that Sharonville is proposing sidewalks in Sycamore Township. It's just mind-boggling that no one in our township is aware of this. Uh, this is the first I've ever seen of this. I've asked uh, Mr. Bickford, the trustees, Mr. Callums for years about plans. Um, I started working with various entities to try and piece together uh, how this might look uh, to ensure that there are safe routes to the schools and to the parks that are in that area. Uh, I would appreciate any information that may not have been provided to me uh, to be shared with the public as there are many in the community uh, that are working on this and concerned about the safety of primarily our children but also ourselves. Thank you. Thank you, sir. I I'm curious, does anyone have any information about what this plan may be? That's, that is a safe route to school uh, program and grant that they are going to. We have met with them 
We met with them uh, probably a year and a half ago, maybe a little longer than that. So we are involved in that. They are the ones that are going for the grant because the school is, is in their community. But we, uh, they, we did meet with them at the township, talked with the bottom. We asked if, uh, you know, how far that could be expanded on Field Journal. Unfortunately, for the safe route to school, it, uh, it couldn't go any further than that. But that, that is the, uh, the plan that you just saw on the screen is the one that they have uh, put together. Uh, to go, I believe it's to OKI for a grant, if I'm not mistaken. Well, if there are things we can do to facilitate that to get additional sidewalks for our community, that would be helpful, I suppose, but we, we can talk about that going forward. Um, are there any other public comments? Anyone else signed up now? I'm assuming not. So. That was it, sir. All right, thank you. We will move on next to the Sheriff Patrol Report. We have Sergeant Sovereign here this evening. How are you, sir? Good evening. Well, sir, thank you very much. Uh, the only thing I have to pass on is uh, on March 29th, we did the twice-delayed active shooter drill with Miller High School involving Sycamore Township Fire Department and the Sheriff's Office. About 10 deputies and 15 firefighters took place in the event, and I think it went very well. Uh, the school was certainly very appreciative of it. We try to do this sort of exercise uh, involving both, both departments uh, every couple of years practice that kind of response and it's a managed thing by the state for the school to do some kind of uh, cooperative evacuation drill so that went off without a hitch other than that i have nothing new to report very good any questions for uh, sergeant sovereign from anyone well thanks sir thanks for your time tonight thanks Absolutely. for what you do yeah. thank you all right uh next we have uh ems and fire report chief penny what have you got for us this evening Good evening. Um, I sent the monthly report. Hopefully, all the trustees and administrator received my monthly report. Yes, um, thanks. The right now we just have twenty residents in the township that are um, quarantined at home, so the numbers are going down. We've had a lot of them that have been released, hundreds that have been released from quarantine. So that's good. Um, the uh, up till. About a week ago, two weeks ago, Hamilton County Communication Center was sending us all of the um, cases of people that are quarantined, and they have stopped doing that. And now the um, Hamilton County Health Department has a new website up where they are uh, managing it that way, and we're signed up on that website. And that is part of uh, the report that I sent you that actually shows the heat map and shows the um, where uh, where people are quarantined, what locations, and that sort of thing. So we'll be using that type of format from here on out until they stop doing it. Um, the other thing was we received uh, a reimbursement from Hampton County for $279,186.41. And that money was, um, we received that from reimbursements from when we spent money from March or from basically March 1st or the end of February when the COVID actually hit up until we received our first CARES Act funds check, which was in somewhere the first part of July. So all the, uh, all the costs that we used to um, get our PPE and start the process that we had to do to, to be COVID ready 
um, we were actually able to get reimbursed from the county for that. So we did receive that check uh, a couple of weeks ago. So um, we also received um, a big bag of white cloth mask from the BWC. And I put uh, a, a handful of them in the lobby of the fire station. And the, the best thing I can tell you is that they are available for residents if they need the mask and they need to stop in, they can pick one up or pick a couple up at the, at the, in the lobby and they can, if they have a problem getting one or if they lost theirs and they just need it, they're, they're there if the public needs them. So they are, they are in the front lobby. Um, the other thing, let's talk about the carousel. <laughs> we've, um, we've had two fires in the carousel in the last week. Last Sunday, we had one, and we had one this morning. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because we apparently have vagrants hanging out there again. Uh, the building has been plywood plywooded up for a while, all the doors, all the windows. These people have come in and torn all the plywood off of the doors, and they have total access to um, any of the rooms. Some of these pictures you can see, you can see the plywood's gone. This, but that, Skyler, go back to that first picture. Um, this picture here, this that still shows at the far end of that building where it burned up last time, and we still have unstable roof, and it's a it's an area that is basically unsafe to go in. And they've been instructed to take that down, and they have not done it yet. Mm -hmm. And in the meantime. Um, they've gone in and they've torn the plywood off of the various parts of the, of the building. And now we're getting, we're starting to get more fires, uh, in these, in these buildings, um, now that they have access to them. And while we were down there, we looked at the Drake, every window in the back of the Drake motel has been broken out. They're hanging out in there as well. But, but this, as far as I'm concerned, we tried it with these guys to board this place up, make it secure. And uh, we've been down that road and it doesn't seem to, doesn't seem to hold up. So I don't know if there's any stance a township has to try to get these buildings taken down. Uh, but that seems like that's the only option we have to, to make these, this place safe. Um, Cause the, the boarded up part of it doesn't seem to work. Chief, there's a lot, do, lot of debris. Chief, what do we have to do to, uh, to get these condemned? Well, I mean, the problem, at least this building. I'm not sure about the Drake because I'm not sure that it's in that condition, but this one certainly appears to be. The, the, the problem with condemning this building is they're structurally safe. So it's very it's very hard for us to say it's not a safe. Other than that, that one is the corner there that's been burnt. That's yeah. the only part that we can have uh, authority to get that replaced or get it torn down. The rest of the buildings that are out there, they're, they're still structurally sound. There's nothing unsafe about them. It's just that they're a, they're a menace. They're a problem. So so what do we got to do? Do we have to get in front of a judge? And maybe Deepak might want to weigh in on this as well. Do we have to get in front of a judge to, uh, to get an order for us to get this cleaned up? Because this is a safety issue, uh, no matter what. The building may be safe and the building may be sound, but this is a safety issue for our community that we need to address regardless. Yeah, it is. 
So I know from the um, this section has already been ordered to come down. Um, we can we can talk to Doug about uh, time frames on that, or if they have if they've pulled a demo permit, how much time do they have from uh, from Hamilton County? Um, like Chief said, you know, I you know, there's there's really no way to to condemn it or, or order a teardown. Uh, I mean, it's a it, it's a it's a block building. It is structurally sound. Um, the issue that I'm seeing on with these pictures um, is, you know, every <laughs> every one of these are, are open and unsecured. Uh, additionally, even if we do board up the fronts, um, uh, Doug and I were on site uh, last year where you could just push the guts of the uh, air conditioners in, and then you had a you know. Um, you had a, a, a person-sized hole to get into every one of these rooms. So uh, I, I think we can use the property maintenance code uh, to go after them on, that, on those grounds. Um, the other thing I would suggest is we reach out to Hamilton County Building Department uh, and, and Health Department, see what they can do. Maybe we can have a joint meeting on this or at least meet with them and then reconvene um, and, and decide what, what's the best uh, most effective course of action on on this. So the court hey guys, what about a uh, a police presence there? Can we have a patrol go in there? Do we have a police presence in that area to make uh, a, a run through there, maybe once a night? The, the problem the problem with the police is they can circle through there, but unless that they physically go into every room, they're not going to know these You're these fine. people aren't. They don't have cars. They don't they don't park out front. They sneak in the back. Uh, you'd actually you'd have to go through every room of that place to check it to see if anything going on. And the um, the fire this morning was like six thirty in the morning. So you know they're they're there. Last Sunday we had a mattress on fire down there. It was two o'clock in the afternoon. So you know they're 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 apparently there all hours of the day and night. Deepak, if the place is a public nuisance or a menace, but structurally sound, is there anything we can do because the facility is a menace? Even, you know, either administratively or civil suit even. As an adjoining landowner, can we sue for the nuisance and get the thing taken down somehow? Yeah, I mean, we can absolutely go after them um, on the basis of a nuisance. If, if I'm understanding correctly, <clears throat> Uh, the activity that's taking place in the rooms there is is suspected to be of a criminal activity, right? We've already had situations where we've had two incidents, um, you know, close together that posed a threat to public safety with the fire, um, obviously pose a threat to the firemen that have to go in there and deal with those fires. So absolutely, there um, there is our revised code provisions that allow us to address nuisance properties beyond building code issues beyond structural issues. Um, just a little bit farther reaching in terms of strategizing about this, um, understand that if the health department comes in and issues an adjudication order, um, finding that you know the place is unsound, unsafe for human habitation and ordering it be vacated, that's a piece of paper. Um, and the where the rubber meets the road is getting the Hamilton County Prosecutor's Office to actually prosecute that. Um, and we have experienced this in similar settings with um, some of Roger Bean's properties. 
Um, it's not enough to have the piece of paper. You have to actually get the folks that have the power to go in and enforce it, which is the prosecutor's office on board. And so <clears throat> I forget who the new building commissioner is, but I know when I would have conversations with Bruce Crace, the former uh, head of the building department, you know, their, their function was administrative. They determined that there was a violation of the building code. Um, and then they issued an adjudication order that wasn't complied with. That was the end of their role. And then you had to get the prosecutors on board. So I think Skyler's idea is a good idea of what might we do with the county in conjunction with our own zoning department and our own property maintenance code. But <clears throat> at the end of the day, the county, whatever administrative arm it is, is ultimately going to rely upon the prosecutor's office to go and enforce that in court. And uh, as I said, that's where the rubber meets the road. So we want to get the prosecutors involved at the beginning as well, because uh, we don't want to be wasting time or doing things in a way that they don't want to see done. They might want it done a specific way. So just keep that in mind, Skylar, as we try to put together a meeting, and I'd be happy to attend. Um, I think in the meantime, what we do have out there is an adjudication order regarding the, I'm going to call it the left side of the building that uh, is unsafe where the fire was. So that needs to be pressed, right? I'm sure there were timelines in there. Um, you said there was uh, an order for them to bring it down. I don't know if that was based on the fire code or what code that was based on, but all those adjudication orders give you a certain amount of time to comply. And then once you don't comply, um, the next step is to go to court to get a right of entry to go in and abate the problem ourselves. So um, Chief Schuyler, whoever um, issued that order, if you send it over to me, I'd be happy to look at, look at it and tell you what our next steps are. But I would say in the, in the short term, press ahead with that to keep the pressure on them to get that piece of it remedied. And it might be that in the process of doing that, we can also create a dialogue with them about what is obviously a much larger problem there. The final thing I would just say is, um, and Skylar, you might know off the top of your head, does our property maintenance code have provisions regarding um, vacant structures and what you must do to secure them? Uh, yeah, it does, have, uh, it does have language for safe uh, to, to secure um, uh, vacant buildings. Right. So even though, you know, I'm hearing that from a practical standpoint, there are some issues with, um, you know, those boards staying in place, we, we got to follow through on that too. They've got to be cited for not being in compliance with the vacant building provisions of the property maintenance code. And, you know, that's the way I see is kind of bringing this all to a head. So um, I forget whether it was Mr. Weedman or Mr. James, but one of you asked me about, is there a way to go and enforce something in court? So it was a very long answer, but let me just circle back to that. Yes, we can, under the revised code, prosecute on the basis of them creating a nuisance that threatens the public health and safety of the residents of Sycamore Township. Um, and I certainly um, am happy to look into that. And then in the short term, I would, I would press on the current adjudication order regarding the burnt down part on the left. And then I would also be looking at citing them for violations of the vacant building provisions of the property maintenance code. I think all that sounds good. Would you, Mr. Desai, and you, Mr. Miller, and the administrator and Chief Penny work together to formulate a plan step-by-step? 
to get these things done and what we need to do next if things don't happen so that we've got a roadmap to either clear up this problem and render the place inaccessible or get it taken down if need be to somehow ameliorate this. And maybe in our next meeting or a month from now at the latest, report back on what we can do to make this happen. Yeah, it'll be my pleasure. Deepak, I would, I would ask you the question. Uh, you addressed what I would appear to have been the carousel issue, but I'm asking you to also address the Drake issue. As you know, that was closed by court order. Um, we have the same situation there as we do at the carousel. And I'd like for you to review that court order, determine if there's some other thing, other vehicle we can use through the court in an effort to get that thing closed back up. They had an obligation to keep that thing locked down and they're not doing that. And so I'd like to find out if there's a way you can you can go back using the existing court order to uh, to enforce something more. Yeah, it sounds like they might be in contempt of that standing order. I believe they are. Okay. Yeah, that would that would certainly be in legal terms, a relatively quick process. I'll um, I'll take a drive down there tomorrow and get pictures of the Drake, the back, so we got uh, proof that the, that that place is is not secure. Okay, that'd be great. And that's all I have for my report. All right. Any questions for Chief Penny from anyone? Chief, I, I understand that uh, at Kenwood Town Center this weekend, they're going to be offering immunizations there within the mall at a facility set up there. Um, I, I don't know if your guys have been involved in that or not, but since we were talking COVID, I thought I'd bring that up. Today in the uh, county elected officials Zoom call too, Greg Kesterman, the uh, Hamilton County Health Commissioner, indicated that there are just boatloads of appointments available if people have cars and are willing to drive up to Wilmington at the Wilmington Air Park yeah. the Johnson Johnson vaccine and they have hundreds of open appointments and uh, if anyone is looking for that they can go to the Kroger scheduling website for COVID and search on zip code 45117 to hone in on that one. Uh, to answer your question no they have not reached out to us I think they're doing that all internally. Okay very good. All right. Well, thanks for your report. And uh, okay. we'll move on to roads, maintenance, and recreation report. Uh, we've got Tracy Kellums and we've got uh, Jason Petty here also. Who wants to go first, guys? I'll let Mr. Petty go first. All right. Uh, can you guys hear me? Yes, sir. Okay. Just want to make sure I'm using an iPad and I've got my headphones into it. So uh, the, uh, the first thing that I have is the. Uh, Parks rules and regulations. We had discussed a few uh, months ago uh, changing those, and we have the newest revised section, which uh, is section 15, alcoholic beverages. I believe in our last meeting that I was uh, that we had discussed this. You guys had uh, agreed to accept Montgomery City's, the city of Montgomery's. Um, section on alcoholic beverages so i just revised it to fit our township and if you guys have a chance to look that over and if you wanted to vote on that to see if we can accept and approve these rules and if you i could read it if you'd like the section 15. why don't you read it out loud yeah yeah so section 15 alcoholic beverages no alcoholic beverages shall be sold in any park except with specific written permission from the board or its agents with the rental of an athletic field, shelter, or pavilion area. 
Alcoholic beverages are only permitted in shelter or pavilion areas unless authorized by the board or its agents. So that was the, the first sentence was what we had changed originally. And then the second sentence was what we used from the city of Montgomery and kind of changed it to fit our, our needs. All right, anybody have any questions or comments about that? So that means based on the second sentence, you are allowed as a private citizen to have alcohol in a shelter or pavilion area? Yes. Okay, as long as you're not selling it? Yes. Okay. And I think that's what we, we had discussed before. I think that was the, the whole idea was to make sure that it's still okay for people to have alcohol in the parks. We just wanted to make sure that it wasn't, um, you know, all throughout the park and in the specified areas. All right. Well, uh, any comments from this, from the other trustees or questions about this? So that last sentence, it says alcoholic beverages are only permitted in shelters or pavilion areas unless authorized should that say unless otherwise authorized by the board or its agents i don't know it, it could that may be over <laughs> because you're basically there. saying you're basically saying you can have it in the pavilion or shelter but you can have it somewhere else if it's authorized by the board of trustees correct yes yeah. yeah, so that the the idea behind that, I think, was so that if there is, you know, for example, if we were going to do um, the fireworks show or if somebody wanted to have a fundraiser and they wanted to have, you know, a, a beer set up, you know, close to a, a baseball field instead of having it off to one of the sides, that was, I think that the wording that we had selected there was basically so that if someone wanted to have a special event, they could have it authorized by the trustees. Why don't you say unless authorized in other areas by the board or its agents? So it read alcoholic beverages are only permitted <clears throat> in shelter or pavilion areas unless authorized in other areas by the board or its agents. Okay. What do you think, Tracy? Is that in line kind of what you were thinking to clarify it? Yeah, I think that clarifies it a little bit. Fine with me. I'm okay with that. Trace, do you like that, Trace? Is that what you're thinking? Yeah, I believe that does what, what we're trying to accomplish. Can you guys say that one more time so I can write it down? Yeah, so starting from the beginning of the second sentence, it would be alcoholic beverages are only permitted in shelter or pavilion areas unless authorized in other areas by the board or its agents. Okay. So unless yeah. authorized in other areas by the board or its agents. Okay. I can make, so I guess um, if, if I don't know if you guys can, um, I mean, I can make those. I think we could vote to approve with, okay. with, yeah, with that change and you could just print up the final ones. Mr. Desai, okay. do you see any problem with that? This is not a resolution. 
Yeah, I think the motion is just motion to approve with the uh, amended language for section 15. Okay. okay. Does anyone care to make that motion? Motion to approve. I'll second it. All right. And, and for the record, this is a motion to approve with the amended language as discussed, correct? Correct. All right. And the second was as to that, correct? Correct. Any further discussion? No. Mr. Porter, would you call the roll for that, please, then? Mr. LaBarbera? Aye. Mr. James? Aye. Mr. Weedman? Aye. All right. So the uh, Parks Advisory Committee met uh, last month, and we did have uh, Mr. Fortin come in and gave a presentation of the uh, proposed fireworks for uh, July 4th. He did submit a uh, permit for the field use. Um, the advisory committee is, a they, they made a motion and approved. They did want to support the fireworks show. Um, everyone on the committee th uh, thinks it's a good idea. Uh, they also are in favor of the townships uh, either sponsoring the event or uh, advertising the event. Um, the, the other thing that uh, we had discussed was having the township waive the fee for the field rental that the, uh, the event had to pay last year. Uh, so that was the field rental for all of the fields for all three days that they needed them closed. And, um, and I believe, um, aside from that, we also discussed the scavenger hunt that we were gonna have. Uh, we had talked about, you know, timing that we would have it. And I think uh, we all just uh, kind of came to the conclusion that later in the year would be good. So sometime in the fall, I believe to have the scavenger hunt. And uh, we had discussed several different things, but there was a motion made to, uh, you know, to have the township invest um, some some funding for a scavenger hunt that would also have other, uh, you know, we don't know all exactly what yet. We had talked about some other things to go along with that event, um, but those were the two main things that we discussed in the advisory, um, the parks advisory committee meeting last month. And Jason, can you just touch on what the scavenger hunt will be? So it's I, I think we're still kind of in the you know the beginning stages of of what what that could be, but you know we had we had also discussed on you know having uh, bicycle safety awareness with the scavenger hunt and some other you know possibly having a few food trucks uh, that sort of thing, and then possibly having um, fire safety was one of the things that we had discussed. You know possibly having the fire department involved. And, it, you know, it may turn into an event that you have, you know, uh, Hamilton County's Sheriff's Office possibly could bring some of their equipment and the fire departments could possibly bring some of their equipment. But, you know, the scavengers hunt itself was I think we were talking about having at McDaniel Sports Complex. And, you know, to be honest, I don't know 100 percent exactly what it would. I'm assuming it would be things around the park that kids would have to find. It would be an, an educational um uh, experience as well is what we would plan but it is still you know pretty early on in the stages of the planning thank you mm -hmm. yeah and, and i will say i think a scavenger hunt is a great idea i think waiting until the fall is uh, under ambitious maybe um i think we should be doing a lot of things in the parks this summer to get people outside the governor just even changed his orders encouraging people to be outside saying basically it's okay don't 
getting big groups too close to each other. But outdoor activities are great. Let's get people out in the fresh air and, and do some things in our parks. They don't have to be large mega events with multiple things happening at once, either with complex moving parts. I, I like some of the ideas you mentioned, though, and, and you and I talked about some of those before the last parks advisory meeting, too. Uh, Bechtold Park has a, a trail around it. Uh, Schuler Park does as well, and, and uh, McDaniel, too. Uh, have bike rallies there for neighborhood kids, things like that. Bringing up the sheriff's department, that, that's a good idea. Um, some of these are things I, I've done with scout troops before and scout packs where you've got 100 kids together and the sheriff's office and the fire department come out and just show off their stuff. All of these things can happen safely in our parks and other areas um, with people still staying distant enough and wearing masks if needed, but to get people outside. I'd like to see us do a lot of things like that this summer. And if if the Parks Committee could get cracking on some of that maybe too and plan some of these things, they, they might be relatively low effort, low labor intensive things. Just like uh, you know, you've got yoga in the park going uh, each week in the park. That's a great recurring thing. Let's have some other, you know, Saturday in the park thing, say, you know, two, three o'clock in Bechtold Park, something happens. And you- I encourage- can jump in, uh, Jason, I asked you to check on the uh, cost for a small stage and uh, the electric for a band wanted to make sure that if, if possible when this all ends and we're winding down now i've contacted a few groups uh got some good prices and uh these are local groups for a little rock and roll music uh and uh have a party in the park and the ideal place would be Bechtold. so if we can get those numbers and i and i don't think the parks committee would have a problem with that because that seems to be uh on the survey, the number one item. They want music in the park and uh, just check out a group over the weekend that would be ideal. Yeah. Yeah, and that was, that was one of the things that I was going to mention was the actual. So I, I think some of the reason that we had kind of, you know, delayed, you know, trying to get as a lot of ideas out as early as possible was we were wanting to wait on the results from the survey before we started making decisions, you know, on, on things that we should do, um, you know, and I, I, we probably don't need to wait, uh, you know, I don't want to wait all year. And hopefully I don't think some of these things won't be, uh, won't be events that won't take too long to plan, hopefully. So, yeah, I'm definitely going to uh, be looking into the, uh, the rental of the stage and the equipment to, uh, you know, run power to it uh, this week going into next week. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, I, I know that the scavenger hunt right now is, is just an idea, and I think originally was planned to be much earlier in the year, and then uh, when we started discussing whether or not uh, the fireworks on the 4th of July were going to happen this year, kind of had them, you know, wanting to wait and find out, you know, timing-wise from that, so... I think that the the advisory committee is definitely uh, more than willing to to get it moving, and if we needed to do it earlier, you know, have have some events earlier in the year. But I think uh, waiting on some of the results from the survey is kind of what we were, at, at least in my, you know, speaking for myself, that was I was wanting to see some of the results from the survey before we started planning a sure, lot of I, things. That makes sense. Let me just encourage the committee in the next meeting, though, by which time you'll probably have a lot of those results. Be ambitious, please. Uh, and, and the 4th of July event, we'll come to talking about that in a minute, but that's not a township event. That's a, a yeah. private event someone wants to use our field for, but that's not something the Parks Committee will be involved in planning anyway. So um, so 
if, if we can be ambitious about things the township does at low cost too. I know Mr. LaBarber is talking about bands, but I have a feeling he's talking about local bands that are yeah, local, local, not, not the remnants of yeah, Jefferson Starship, uh, things like that. So um, these, these things all sound like good ideas. So th thanks for working with the committee on this too. Don't, don't take this pushing as criticism. It's just, we, I, I like to see things happen here um, yeah. and have people enjoying the outdoors because we've all been cooped up for a year in many ways. And now people can get outside and, and have some fun and use these parks that we've got. Um, Tom, did you have any comments about any of this, by the way, you, you've been saying silent, you're muted. I don't have any comments other than I did uh, have a conversation with Jason about possibly getting uh, yoga on Saturdays. I got two requests from uh, residents saying that uh, uh, that Sunday they go to church in the morning, so they don't they can't really can't really yeah. get to the park on Sunday to uh, to have yoga. So uh, I talked to Jason about it. And I know we're at the we're at the mercy of having an instructor. Um, I think he was looking he was going to talk to a couple of people, and uh, if he didn't find somebody, I might I was going to talk to a couple of other yoga instructors that might be willing to do it. But I was just waiting to hear back from Jason. So. Hmm. Yeah, so I do have the um, the the lady that is doing it right now currently on Sundays is uh, a friend of mine who volunteered to do it. And she said that there may be more people at the studio that she goes to that would be interested in doing it. And I just have not mm -hmm. had time yet to, to reach out to them and, and ask. So uh, if if you guys know anyone that may want to volunteer to do it or even, you know, get a hold of us, I I will look into that as well um, this Thursday and uh, and make a few phone calls and, and see if they have anybody that may be interested in and uh, expand because I, I I know we had discussed earlier about trying to expand you know expand the program. I I think it would be really beneficial to have it on Saturdays. Also, maybe possibly have one in the evening during the week if we could. You know, possibly have one at all of the different parks uh, if if possible. So I'll definitely look into that as well. If you put out a notice on our social media from the township, we could share that in various neighborhood groups too. But just note, we're looking for yoga instructor volunteers to help out with uh, township yoga. That, that would be a, a thing that might get some attention from people. Um, yeah. But yeah, Mr. Widman's right. Expanding it to Saturday would be good. And even other locations would be good. Evening, as you said, would be good. So let, let's use those parks and let people enjoy them. Um, so it, as to this 4th of July plan, I, I know Mr. Fortin did the fireworks last year and it was a, a different world last year than this year in many ways. We were all concerned that the fireworks that uh, he wanted to privately put on would be the only game in town and we'd have a terrible traffic crush, among other things, up north and, and what the press likes to now call a super spreader event. I don't think we had that term yet back then. Uh, like uh, stock market crashes, those get predicted a lot, but don't happen nearly as often as they're predicted, I guess. But um, this year it's different. I understand Blue Ash is doing their red, white, and blue ash celebration uh, still, and that's the big draw in the region. You, you mentioned Mr. Fortin has put in a permit request for the park already or has gotten a permit, so that's already happened? Yeah, he's, he has put in a permit request for the 2nd, 3rd, and 4th of July. It, last year we had some extraordinary circumstances with all the health orders and so on. Is that something that requires trustee approval in the ordinary course uh, for what he's doing? Uh, as well, I think it would definitely uh, require, you know, if you were looking at the the rules that we had just talked about as far as alcohol. So I think you would have to have, you know, I think that I think that something like this would definitely have to have the approval from the trustees. I don't 
I wouldn't feel comfortable myself renting someone the park for three days and shutting because the only the only other thing that it does is it closes the entire park from you know for those three days in a row. So I would I would I would prefer to have the trustees approval on a permit like that. Hmm, that makes sense. I, I think we'd like to see the request, I guess, in the plan before we approve something like that. And that's not before us yet, is it? Yeah. I, no. No. Okay. Yeah. The only the only thing that I have is the permit for the park itself. Okay. Now you said the parks committee was making a recommendation that the township somehow participate in this or waive fees for this. What what sort of money or costs or waivers or would we be looking at if we did entertain that if that's part of the proposal? So I know the I believe last year uh, he was uh, Mr. Fortin had to pay for the baseball fields, soccer fields for the entire time. So I would I would have to look back at the permit from last year on what the price was. Um, I don't remember off the top of my head how much the actual uh, the total permit was. Um, Eight hundred five dollars. $805. I'm sorry, what did he say? 845 And to be clear, it's not for the entire park, but there needs to be a section or certain fields that are blocked off to allow for a tent and setup for multiple days, not the entire park uh, for all three days. Yeah, so last year, last year, if I'm not mistaken, though, I, I believe last year that we requested that he paid for every field for the entire time if i'm not mistaken so i know the permit that was turned in this year does have specified times for the dates that he would want so that was that was part of the that's part of the permit uh the other thing would be you know advertising whether or not you know advertising it through the townships um facebook page um website i don't think that there's uh, a cost to that but other than that i don't know that that would be um i don't know what the cost would be if the township was going to pay for advertising other than that if they were going to pay for radio time i know that the advisory committee did vote to they they voted to you know support all aspects of it whether the township wanted to sponsor the event i don't know if the township decided to sponsor it it's my opinion that if the township sponsors the event then it kind of becomes a township event mm. and that that's just my opinion but the parks advisory committee was for having the township sponsor the event or advertise the event or support mr. the Reed event might, mr kellens might add uh, something to this in the past, as, as I remember, there was a car show going on. We had the car show. I think we had one conflict one time. And then as a neighbor gesture, uh, somebody backed off and we had it on a certain date. Uh, the Bastille Day in Montgomery. Uh, Tracy, we never have anything going on at that time. And Blue Ash has the, uh, not to play damper on this, but Blue Ash has the biggest fireworks celebration in all of the uh, Southern Ohio at the same time. So I I don't know if we're going to be a good neighbor or if this is a little private event like it was last year or if this thing's getting bigger and bigger. And we certainly don't have the resources to do what Blue Ash does. I like guys, is, that, is that true, Tom? In the past, we've kind of been a good neighbor. 
car show. We're not going to do it that day. Sure. Got to sure. maybe stay away that weekend. Sure. That's, sure. that's actually the case. Um, with the exception of Bastille Day, we've always had we always had our festival on the same weekend. So that Saturday was always Bastille Day. But I like to just weigh in on this. You know, last year we were we it was suggested by the applicant that maybe we weren't being very uh, uh, patriotic because we had some questions about whether or not whether or not we were willing to support this in the middle of a pandemic. And one of the things we did was we agreed to approve it as a private as a private event with uh, no alcohol, no live music, uh, no food, no advertising of the event whatsoever. It was in the Inquirer in an article. It was also sent to my house. I got not one, but I got three of them to my house, three postcards. I got calls from friends in Sims Township saying, hey, what, what's the deal with your, with your fireworks thing going on there? It was sent, it was advertised in Sims Township as well. And so, I think that we, first of all, I'm totally opposed to converting this to a uh, um, to a township event, as, as Mr. LaBarbera suggested. You know what? The big, probably the biggest show in all of Southern Ohio is right down the street from us at the very same time. And so to suggest that we would, that would be a good idea for us is probably not a good idea. Number one. So it's, I, I'm opposed to it being a, 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 a township event. Number two, um, if we decide to waive the fee for the fields for three days, then we're setting a very, very bad precedent in the future for every other person who decides they want to have a big private event in our park to come to us and say, well, you waived it for him, you should waive it for me as well. I think that's a bad idea. And third of all, I'm not really crazy about it because of the very reasons I spoke originally, and that is we required we had certain requirements during the pandemic that we that that the applicant would not do certain things, and this guy violated almost all of them. So, so to suggest that that we should be going out of our way to support this, and I totally resent the fact that he brings people in and suggests that because we won't let him do that, we're not patriotic, which is complete and utter nonsense. So to suggest that we should be partnering with them, I don't think it's a good idea. This shouldn't be a public event. Mr. LaBarber is absolutely correct. And number two, I think this guy, the, the applicant rather, I think the applicant has already shown his, shown his inability to follow orders the first time. I'm not sure that I'm willing to give him a second chance to so that he can not follow the orders the second time. So I'm opposed to the event. I, I think that there's, look, there's 4th of July in and around the area. And if he wants to make it a private event, I'm, I'm not sure that there's a whole lot of issues with that other than he must keep it private. Again, we laid down certain rules and he's going to have to keep it private. And I don't think we should be waiving any fees for the park because we're set a horrible precedent when we do that. So that's my opinion on the whole event. And I have to agree with that too. It, it's a private event. I got no problem with it being a private event, but waiving the fees is, is not something I'm prepared to do right now. Um, the township aiding and promoting it, we'd have to be careful that it doesn't become a township event in people's eyes in that sense, but no problem with the event going forward privately on the other hand, but we don't have a permit in front of us to consider today anyway. So can I just yeah, add two more things? Yeah, uh, sure. one more thing rather. Um, I had two people that were on his list as um, sponsors. 
on his Facebook. Uh, I had one of one of them asked me a question, but the other one called me and said that he was solicited by Mr. Forden as a member of the Parks Commission. I'm not sure if he's a member of the Parks Commission. I don't think he's on that Park Commission, but uh, a Park Advisory Board. But at any rate, um, this guy drew the conclusion that that Mr. Forden was with the township, and I think that that's problematic as well. So that's all. We certainly don't want private parties suggesting they are acting on behalf of the township. That's something we run into with other partners of the township and mailings they send out for energy, for example, and other things which can cause confusion by putting our logo on it. So we want to uh, ensure private parties aren't trying to trade on our trade dress there, I suppose, as a township. But um, anyway, Mr. Petty, I think that may give you some guidance as to the committee there. I don't know that there's anything for us to vote on because there's not a permit in front of us yet. But when Mr. Fortin submits a, a full package with the plan for this, uh, you could bring it to us if that'll be at the next meeting. That's great. And we can consider renting it uh, as a private event as we would to any other private party. I, I think it's great to have the fireworks as a private event. I think Blue Ash is going to be the bigger draw, but I, I don't think any of us are interested in making it a township event or township paid event. My dog is chiming in too, I think, saying the same. Mr. Sorry. Mr. James, I, I, I share your view, you and, and Tom, the two Toms. All right. And anything else from the park's perspective? I believe that's all I have. All right. Tracy, you're finally up then. Thanks, Jason. I appreciate yep, it. Thank you. Thank you, Jason. Good evening, gentlemen. The first thing I uh, want to talk about is, uh, as you know, we are in uh, the middle of engineering for the Larchview Plainfield project, uh, which we have uh, received some funding on. And that project is a total reconstruction of Larchview Drive, uh, just like what we did to Donna two years ago. Uh, the you know. If you've been down Larcher, you've seen what bad shape it's in. Uh, you know, we had a lot of core samples taken. The problem was the whole base is shot. So that's a whole tear out and reconstruct storm sewer, sidewalk, curbs, the whole thing. Now, Plainfield Road has got some, uh, the, the county is involved in Plainfield Road. The county's paying for the Plainfield Road portion, but it's all being engineered as one project that we are administrating. In town, the, the plan right now is for Plainfield Road to be repaved, some curb repair done, but also to go on a road diet to slow traffic down and to help with safety, uh, which is basically going to be down to uh, three lanes with a dual left turn lane in the center and then parking on one side of the road. So with that kind of change, uh, we are looking to have a public meeting, which will be an open house. Uh, choice one uh, uh, will be the ones uh, presenting that. And, and this is just an open house, and we're looking to do this in person on uh, Thursday, April 29th. We would like to have it at the township building. Uh, so it's not really a presentation, a formal presentation by the engineer. It's something where they set up boards, they have displays, they have exhibits. People come in, they see their house, they look uh, at it, and then they, they we provide forms for them to write down questions. I've talked to Chief about us uh, meeting in person. You know, obviously, we'd make everybody have masks, and we would do uh, proper uh, spacing, 
so uh, Chief didn't think it was a problem. Uh, I would, we were going to put so so we're going to send a letter to everybody on Plainfield Road, everybody on Larchu, and all the dead ends on Larchu uh, about this. And uh, we would also uh, I'll talk to Beth when she gets back from vacation, but we would like to also put something on the website uh, that has all the exhibits the choice one's going to have. To think somebody, if, if they're not comfortable coming, we'll have this in the letter. If you're not comfortable coming, it is also on our website. Please review it and submit any questions you would have to us. But uh, for, for a project like this, I just think that uh, an in-person uh, open house would work much better than trying to Zoom the whole, uh, the whole thing and have It'd be very difficult to get people's questions uh, just from Zoom. Questions uh, about that, Tracy? Sorry. Uh, no, go ahead. Would it be feasible? I, I know you don't want people messing with equipment and such, I suppose, but we have this big new maintenance building with big doors on the ends in the back. Would it be feasible to do it in there with the doors open? That can accommodate a huge crowd. Well, if you go in there, <laughs> unless we're going to pull all the equipment and all the material that we've got in there already out, there's not a lot of room. Okay. But we also would not have the capabilities of doing anything electronic back there. You know, True. We don't, we don't have any, any cameras or, or anything like that that we could do. Yeah. Okay. So that, that would be difficult. So I would, yeah. So I wanted to talk to Chief further about it and see, you know, we do proper spacing. Uh, you know, we let so many people in at a time. And usually in an, the thing about an open house is, and, and you gentlemen have all been to an open house before, it, it runs for, you know, usually two hours or so. People come in sporadically. It's not like mm. everybody comes at 7 o'clock for a presentation. So I think we'll be able to uh, adhere to some proper spacing and, and everybody having masks and be able to do a good job on this open house. Uh, so we're, what time is that? I'm sorry. We're looking for it to be, so, uh, I believe, seven o'clock. I'd have to look at the letter again. Uh, really wanted to get the. It might have been six thirty. I'll get back to you with that. But I really wanted to get the date uh, of April Thursday, April 29th. Uh, we don't have any meetings there. Uh, there's no park board. There, there, there's no kind of meetings at all. Uh, so we're, we're free that night. Uh, the Hamlet County engineers free that night. Uh, they're going to have representation there, and the engineers free that night. Questions so that, about that worked out the best. Just, just, go ahead, Tom. Tom, go ahead. Tom, Tom did you have a question? Uh, I, I, I'm just saying. Uh, wanted to let you know that we were potentially having a Hamilton County Township Association meeting that night. Um, I'm still waiting to get uh, the final the final uh, dates on um, on uh, the different townships and when they when they're if they have any specially scheduled meetings and also the the uh, the availability of our guests for the meeting. So it will be by Zoom but um, you can definitely work around that. Okay. How, how's that been communicated to trustees? We have not we have not communicated yet because we don't have a date. But aren't you working with other trustees to get a date from what you said? No, I'm working with the with the administrators of other oh, okay. communities to make sure that we're not conflicting on a date with one of their meetings. 
okay. so that all of their trustees and fiscal officer can also participate in our Hamilton County Township Association meeting. It'd be silly for me to call a meeting on the night when three other townships had a sure. regularly oh, scheduled sure. meeting. So yeah. I hope that clarifies that for you. Yeah, thank you. Okay. Uh, Tracy, a question about the project. Um, are there any preliminary designs you've seen for this yet? Yes. I'd be interested to see that. Where does where does this run from for the road diet? I'm assuming it's from Target South. It, it, it's from the Blue Ash Corp line to the Deer Park Corp line. Okay, um, all the way through the township. I, I I had this like wild crazy idea recently for Plainfield Road that this kind of actually matches up with in some ways that I'd like to talk with you about. But uh, I don't know if this would fit in the parameters of what's going on there, but. Have you seen what the city of Cincinnati, of all places, has done with uh, what used to be Eastern Avenue? Now it's uh, Riverside Drive with the upscale name. Uh, it's been on a road diet. It's down to two lanes with integrated bike lanes on each side and then parking on the far side of the bike lanes, um, which still allows for parking, allows for traffic to flow and for biking to get through there. Bike lanes are something I'd like to see us incorporate in places where they'll fit in the township, and this could be an opportunity to do that. You know whether that's something that might fit in there or something that the uh, engineer's office could be interested in because there could be grants available from OKI to pay for some part of that too. I can almost guarantee that the engineer's office would not be interested in a bike lane. They are not big on bike lanes. But the other thing is the only way we would be able to fit a bike lane and uh, parking would be to knock that down to two lanes. Mm -hmm. If you knock that down to two lanes, that's going to create a traffic problem because everybody at the time somebody wants to turn left into a driveway, you're blocking traffic. Yeah. So that that, that would be hard to do. But I can definitely uh, I can definitely you know bring it up to uh, to the engineer, see what it's we can do. But one, that, that would be hard. One way to do that in some places, of course, and I hate to have the word median come out of my mouth, but a median from Larchview down to the roundabout would be feasible because just as Blue Ash is planning for on Hunt Road in front of Kroger, the plan could be you just drive down to the roundabout, loop back, and turn right into your driveway. Just a thought. So, Tom, did you have another comment? Uh, I think that the, 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 uh, there's too many curb cuts for a uh, along that strip for uh, for a bike lane, but uh, I, I would, of course, yield to our engineer. Yeah. So, so, what else so the main thing I wanted to, to get an okay from you guys about meeting a person on the 29th. I'm okay with that. I am too. I'll be okay with that. Trace again, who's that for? Would you repeat that? That's for the Plainfield, Plainfield Largeview Project. Okay. okay, the next thing I have, and I could have talked about this during Jason's presentation was, uh, you know, during the, the COVID, we've been shut down. So we've been uh, doing some very needed painting and sprucing up of the uh, community room up at Schuler, and one of those things is needing new carpet. So uh, we've, I've talked to a couple people, uh, a couple different companies, and I, I got a price from McSwain to do carpet tiles. Uh, if you've been in there, you've seen how, how badly it's stained. We've, we've had it cleaned multiple times, and stains just will not come out. 
and these carpet tiles would allow us said uh, you know because as long as we're going to have it rented out and have parties you're you're, you're going to have stains on something like that uh carpet tiles would allow us to do an easy replacement on that uh mcswain uh has a price of ten thousand dollars ten thousand six hundred sixty two dollars and 99 cents so i just re received this while i was on vacation this price we do have a po for parks and public spaces that we could use for this so we don't necessarily need a po so i believe we could do this with a motion if everybody was in agreement uh i, I think it's uh very badly needed if, if if you remember I, I know nobody's been in there for a while but if you remember being in there that 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 is original carpet and it's quite stained up i'd feel more comfortable if we had a uh, another bid can we get another bid from somebody besides this one from mcswain yes yes i can get one i had gotten one bid uh the guy didn't want to do carpet tiles so he gave a bid for just putting carpet down that was 8500 but really do not want to go uh i'd much rather do the carpet tiles but i, I can get another bid thanks Chris. epoch did you have something to add you popped in here no okay <laughs> tracy uh, uh there's a, there is a carpet place at the corner of uh, uh i want to say they call it the carpet barn at the corner of uh uh, just south of um, Kemper Road on uh, Loveland Madeira, on the east side of Loveland Madeira, right there where there's a fish place and a butcher shop in that same strip mall. Um, that guy's got normally got really good pricing. Um, you might want to just ask him. And the other thing is, okay. I, I don't know how everybody feels about it. The, the carpet squares are a considerably different look to the original carpet that we had. I mean. Uh, I, I, I certainly get the uh, get the point that Tracy's making about stains on and being able to replace them, but sometimes even when you replace them, they look like they're replacements as well. And so um, we might want to see if we can consider uh, possibly getting new carpeting in there that is not tiles. I think it's a much better look. Um, and if somebody if somebody stains the carpet, they got to pay for it. I mean, I think which I think that's. Uh, it should be part of our uh, our rental agreement number one um i just think it's a much better look in that and that's a pretty nice pretty nice uh, facility that we have and uh, uh again if you have uh three-year-old uh, squares and two of them are stained and you want to put new ones in it's going to look like you put two new ones in just so for, for whatever it's worth versus getting the carpet cleaned or whatever so i like to look at it both ways that's all I'd, I'd be interested in seeing it both ways too and tracy i actually uh no, a, a vendor named Carpet Tile, which does that sort of thing. I'll suggest that. I know you do because he's a friend of mine also. Ah, very good. Did you talk to him for a bit? <laughs> <laughs> I did not, but I will. All right. I did last time, but that is who I will call. But yeah, Tom, to, to your point, uh, Carpet Tiles have come a long way. I would agree with you. That's the way they really used to look. You put them down, it looked like a grid work. It does, it's not like that anymore and you know they they are stain resistant and they have a 20 25 year warranty just like other carpets so they have come a long way uh you know i'll just leave it with that and and uh i'll, I'll get some more bids and we'll see what comes out uh 
as far as putting carpet down and getting stain, you're going to have the problem you got right now. Having somebody pay to replace your carpet is not feasible. I mean, you're not going to put that in a rental agreement. But you could certainly and, have them pay to clean it. Well, you could have them clean it, yeah, but yeah. I'm not as asking you to say now, they don't always I'm come. I'm asking them to clean it. If they, if they mess it up, they got to clean up what they messed up. Mm. And we need probably be, we need to be a little more diligent about it. That's all because of the past I don't know, I'm sure how not, not sure how diligent we've actually been. I mean, to your point, Tom, we could have a damage deposit that we hold back until after inspection, um, after the event's over, and then if there is the need to clean it, we would take the clean fee out of that damage deposit. I just yeah, like to look at it both ways. That's all. Yeah, I think that makes yeah. sense. If, if somebody makes a mess, they should pay to clean it up. So, yeah. Right. We're not an insurance company, so we shouldn't take the hit. You definitely are not. Okay, uh, the next thing I have is uh, we put out an RFQ. Uh, as you remember, we talked about having some headwalls uh, rebuilt in Dillonvale. Uh, as you know, the, the, we did one down on Donegal that we got skip, a skip grant for. There's uh, three other ones in Dillonvale that need to be done that we did not get skip grants for. Uh, this is also part of the, uh, the balance of that 25% of the unencumbered TIFs. Uh, we had five companies, five engineering firms submit. We rated those firms, and one stood out. Uh, above the others, and that is Carpenter Marty. Uh, they have uh, submitted plans to us for a couple times before. We have not used them, uh, but their uh, their submittal was exactly on point to what we want, stood above the rest. So uh, I would like to uh, see if I could get a motion tonight to enter into negotiations with Carpenter Marty for design work of the Dillonville Culvert Project. I'll make a motion. I'll second that. All right. Any discussion of that? Mr. Porter, will you call the roll on the vote, please? Uh, Mr. LaBarber? Aye. Mr. James? Aye. Mr. Weedman? Aye. Okay, that's uh, that's all I have besides uh, the guys are working hard. They're, they're out there. Uh, doing a lot of catch space and culvert repair right now ahead of the curb crew. The curb crew is going to be starting soon on on our road project, and uh, uh, the guys are they're, they're loving this weather. I know that they are. I, I know last week when when the cold weather came and we actually got some flurries, <laughs> they, they weren't real happy. But uh, the guys are doing a great job. You know, I. I've said it before. I think we have the best crew in the area, and uh, they, they they're they're out there busting their their rears for us. You guys were out sweeping the streets recently too. We were. Uh, you will see us. We will be back out also. Uh, we have decided to do it in house and rent a machine uh, because of the uh, performance that we've been getting the last few years out of the company that had been doing it. Uh, so uh, you're, you're going to see us back out there. 
Very good. Um, a, a few other things that have come up recently. Ray may have talked to you, you about this uh, today, but Easter morning, 7.32 a.m., the power went out. Uh, all around the administration building, down to Galbraith Road, over to Montgomery Road, and all the way up past Moeller into uh, downtown Montgomery. Heitmeyer and Sturbridge, Indian Creek, and a lot of other areas were without power. Uh, Kenwood Baptist Church was worried they weren't going to have services. Fortunately, the power came back on around nine. It was a beautiful day. No wind, no rain, nothing. Duke uh, took 2,000 homes were without power, apparently. Duke said it was something came in contact with the power line. And, and I'm hearing from neighbors, and I've experienced this myself, the power goes out all the time in the Heitmeyer and Sturbridge areas, but particularly Heitmeyer. I know we've talked about this probably about a year ago, but this is like living in the third world compared to places I have lived before with the electricity performance that we get from Duke. It just randomly goes out. Sometimes it goes out because of storms, but often it just goes out. There are a lot of trees close to lines in the area, which seem to cause some of that. One of my neighbors actually contacted me today, though, and he sent an email that he said for the last three years, he's been reporting trees in contact with power lines to Duke, and they keep saying thanks, and then they don't come out and do anything about it. And this is just unacceptable. It's a large portion of our residents who had the power go out then and have this happen seemingly regularly in the area. We need some answers from Duke about this, and I think it would be helpful if our Duke rep could come and speak to one of our meetings uh, so we could share the information with the public about what they have to say. But they, from what I understand, they say this is just average. This just happens here like anyone anywhere else, but it certainly doesn't seem to be the case when you talk to people in other neighborhoods about it. Can we do that? Can we have our Duke uh, representative or contact come in and Explain some of this. We can, we can certainly ask him. I know uh, Ray talked to our representative today uh, about getting some answers for this. I mean, I can't guarantee you he's going to come to a meeting, but I can certainly ask him. Uh, Tracy and I have a phone call with him or a Zoom call with him at two o'clock on Friday. So we will follow up. Very good. Well, my power was out at 8.30 when I got up. I called and they said it'll be on at 10.45, expect it to come back on. And it came on around nine, so they made me feel good. <laughs> it wasn't that extra late. They exceeded the expectations they set, huh? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, maybe we'll get some explanation from them, but. Uh, and it has been an ongoing problem. I mean, I, you know, there's nothing that we can do about it. Obviously we're not Duke. I know, uh, you know, we're the one that everybody calls because we're the local government. So we get phone calls about it all the time. But we have been dealing with this for years. Uh, we were working with uh, our last uh, government liaison about this. And I know that there was a program that was started. And I talked to our, our current liaison about that uh, last year. So it'll be interesting to see what he has to say on our Zoom call on yeah. Friday because I have not heard back from them about anything that's got going on. This has been an ongoing problem, in, uh, uh, especially in, Heitmeier, in half a Heitmeier, not all of Heitmeier, only half a Heitmeier, where they get served by the from a different uh, uh, area than uh, the other half. Mm -hmm. And um, I had worked with them quite some time ago. They had a pilot program where they were talking about 
actually paying for the the wires to go underground, make them underground wires, and get getting rid of them out of the backyards of people because they had so many problems with mature trees in the backyards that they were always taking those wires out. Well, you had to hit a certain level at that time. You had to hit a certain level of outage, and they didn't exceed the certain level of outage. Other communities had similar problems and exceeded that community or that level of outage. And so that's why we got bounced out of the bounced out of possibility of getting into that program. I don't even know if that program still exists or not, but it'd be a good question to ask when you meet with the uh, when you meet with the Duke representative on uh, Friday, because um, I thought for sure with all the Heitmeyer at one point in time, I used to get a call, uh, a text every time the uh, Heitmeyer outage went out from a couple of different residents. And uh, I would immediately call Duke and Duke would tell us, you know, oh, there was a, there was a problem with the lines. There was, you know, an animal or a tree branch or whatever the heck it was. And that was the end of it. And never got a good, really good explanation. But I always thought there were so many outages that we would have qualified. And unfortunately, according to him, we did not qualify. But uh, I don't know, again, I don't know if that problem still exists, uh, that uh, program still exists, but it'd be certainly something to ask them. Good thought, yeah. All right, Tracy, and, and another question, and I know you've been on vacation and just got back here. I copied you and Steve Riddle show for on this, and I think Steve's looking into it, but apparently uh, after this issue seven went in place, the Hamilton County one, not the new Indian Hill one here, but um, all this new sales tax is bringing in money and there are projects eligible for that throughout the county, as long as they're within three quarters of a mile of an existing Metro route that does not run on an interstate highway. Uh, much of our Kenwood area falls into that. Unfortunately, much of the northern part of the township doesn't. It's too far away from the metro routes. But this money can pay for a good chunk of road improvements, sidewalks, uh, overpasses, pedestrian overpasses, perhaps over Kenwood Road, things like that. <laughs> let's, let's see what we can do to get some of that funding from Issue 7, because our residents and our daily visitors to Kenwood Town Center are pouring money into that new sales tax. Um, so let's, let's be imaginative. If, if there are things we can get grants for from this program, let's ask for it. There's a June 30th deadline, but put on your thinking cap, see what you can come up with. Yes, we will certainly look into it. You know, we knew this was coming. Uh, I, I can guarantee you that uh, the lion's share of the money is going to the city of Cincinnati. Yeah, but, unfortunately. Uh, you know, that, that, that's just the way it's going to be. So uh, we'll, we'll definitely, you know, look at submitting them. You, know, you have to realize uh, it's really, it's along with the good ideas, it's usually also uh, driven by the conditions uh, you know, our conditions aren't as bad as many other places, but, mm. you know, we will definitely see what we can do. I don't know if I'm so keen about your pedestrian overpass, though. <laughs> we, we don't want to look like Colrain. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> thrilled with how they look either. It's just a topic that came up, though, in the focus group recently of some of the, the area property owners and talking about what to do with the uh, Montgomery Road Taco Bell area site. So, Maybe an underpass. I don't know. Maybe we can put a tunnel in. Yeah. yeah, or nicer sidewalks or something, you know, but I don't know. But the money's there, so we might as well yeah. ask for it. And we do have the, 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 
project, uh, the ultimate decider of where some of it gets spent is the Hamilton County Integrating Committee on which uh, Sycamore Township former trustee Denny Connor sits. So uh, maybe he'll have some influence there to, to get some of that in our direction. So, yeah. Um, I don't have any other questions, but anybody else have any questions for Tracy about anything? Thanks, Tracy. Hope you had a good time yeah. on vacation. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, next, we've got planning and zoning report. Mr. Miller. Yes, sir. All right. I don't know how I uh, how I follow that act. That uh, that was a long list of uh, projects. Uh, I'll I'll get the uh, um, resolution out of the way first. Uh, we have a property at forty six sixty one Cooler Mill Road. Um, uh, I'm going to go ahead and do the screen share. Basically, what we have is you know, this isn't this isn't one of our typical uh, properties with um, you know a lot of accumulated trash and debris. Let's see. Question for you first. I might have misheard you, but I think you said 4661. Is is that the correct address? I had jotted down 62 earlier. Uh, this is, I, I'm sorry, my typo and my notes here, excuse me. Yeah. You're right. Okay, can you see the pictures? Yes. Okay, good. Okay, uh, so the, the issue that we're having is uh, the uh, uh, the resident here has, has moved in some, some ATMs. Um, you know, we're, we're utilizing the, the, the nuisance uh, language from the Ohio Revised Code under 505.87. Uh, and, and, and defining this as, as either garbage or debris. Um, it's something I wanted to talk about with Deepak, um, but uh, essentially they've moved these in. We've, we've sent notice uh, with, with no response. So, um, you know, obviously this is, you know, these are, this is more commercial material that doesn't belong in uh, uh, a resident, residential neighborhood. And, you know, we're, we're seeking uh, we're seeking abatement by by removing uh, these ATMs or or having preferably the the uh, the resident move them. Tyler, has he has he given you any indication why they're there and what he's doing with them? Uh, we haven't received a response. I will say Kevin has been out uh, on vacation uh, the last half of uh, of this week and hasn't hasn't been back in the office yet, but. Uh, uh, up until this point, which has been a you know it's a it's a multi-stage process, uh, we haven't had any response from the the resident. That I would think one, that first one doesn't even have an ATM in it. Yeah, I mean that, it's so a shell. They're not functional, uh, which is which is why we're leaning towards you know from what we can tell they're not functional and obviously they're not hooked up, uh, which is why we're saying you know this is this is this is junk. This is the uh, uh, this is garbage. You know, I, I don't know if it is garbage. I, I'd, I'd like to talk, I'd like to find out from the owner because I know that there you can get ATMs to rent because uh, a, a guy was talking to me about it, about the festival. You know, when he had the festival that he he sold the, or didn't sell, he had these machines to put in the, the parks for different events and that. Yeah, but you can't and, store them in your backyard. Sycamore, Sycamore Township, so they may... Unless you can, maybe you can find out if they are in fact functional. Well, just storing them there. When you're talking about renting uh, an ATM, uh, there are there are smaller mobile units. 
uh, that are, you know, you, you see them in convenience stores, gas stations, what have you. Um, you know, those can be, you know, on, on, a, on a heavy duty uh, dolly, those can be moved. This is, this is much larger uh, pieces of equipment. You can see there's, you know, the signs are out. They're obviously not, not in a functional state uh, with, with equipment removed. Uh, you know, I, I'm treating this like, like, you know, scrapper material at this point. It doesn't matter whether he's in the business or not. This is not a good place to store them. No. Yeah. It doesn't really matter whether they're functional or not. It's, it's still, this isn't where they're supposed to, this isn't where they belong in somebody's backyard. Right. Correct. And I'm, I'm actually looking at Cages. I see the owner's name and I recognize that he used to live uh, at Kugler Mill in Weatherfield and would occasionally store them in the driveway there as well. But those were mobile units. I think these look different. Uh, and I know that from talking to the guy before he's in the business of that. But as Mr. Weedman said, still, you can't leave them sitting in the driveway. So um, but if if there's been a delay in contacting the owner because Kevin's been out of town, is that the case? Should we wait till our next meeting or not? We we have sent notice. Uh, these are these were on track uh, to to be reviewed by uh, the board tonight. Uh, the, administratively, we have uh, we have issued all notices, uh, and we have not we we have not heard anything from the resident in response. They haven't requested any additional time or given any explanation to them uh, to why they're there. Uh, they just appear to be, uh, again, ATM shells. Uh, I guess there. I do see some ATM equipment in the in the rear unit. Um, you know, but you know, again, I'm 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 calling them junk because hey, uh, they're they're obviously not ready to be set in a uh, in a location. So, Tyler, how long has this been going on? How how long have you been working with him? Uh, I I believe this is multi month. So when did we send the first notice? Please. When did we send the first notice? Uh, give me one second here. All right, so I, I don't have an exact date, but it, but it has been months. Let me see if I can pull it up for you real fast. Mr. James, I think you're correct on that. And he, he stored those smaller units in his garage, though. Hmm. I don't remember. You know, these, these are pretty big. These are larger, yeah. Both won't even fit in his garage if you look at it right now. They're too big. Yeah, I mean these are you can you can see the van. I mean these are um, these are like the units that you would see in a in the middle of a parking lot. One twenty seventh was their day that they had to have them off. January twenty seventh was okay. the that was that was the so we had sent the notice prior to that. That was the day that uh, we required uh, abatement. So. It was even prior. We sent notice prior to that date. Okay, that's a long time. Yeah, that is. All right. Any discussion? Further discussion of this, or is there a motion to adopt the resolution? We have a resolution. Resolution first. 
Okay, uh, I'll read the resolution. Uh, resolution providing for and authorizing removal of vegetation, garbage, refuse, and other debris, and declaring a nuisance for the property located at 4661 Cougar Mill Road, Sycamore Township, Ohio, 45236. Motion. Second. All right, we have a motion to adopt the resolution and a second. Any further discussion? Mr. Porter, will you call the roll on the resolution, please? Mr. LaBarbera? Aye. Mr. James? Aye. Mr. Weedman? Aye. All right, thank you, gentlemen. Okay, uh, our last uh, focus group meeting uh, was the uh, business community meeting for the Montgomery Road properties. Uh, we held that on March 25th. Um, the meeting went about an hour and a half, and you can you can see that online. Uh, I, I think that was a very successful meeting. We got a lot of good, productive comments out of that. Um, it was also an, uh, an interesting group. I think we had... Uh, uh, a, a lot of um, long long-term stakeholders in the in the Kenwood area um, and and uniquely I think we had them all in the same room at once I'm not sure uh, how often that that happens for those guys um, and and ladies so um, our next meeting is going to be uh, uh, this Thursday on April 8th, and this is going to be uh, uh, a, a developer-focused focus group where we uh, we've invited uh, potential potential developers who you know may have interest in the site uh, or just come from different. Um, Different development uh, fields to, to give us a, a new perspective on, on the site, uh, how they um, how they would envision the the, the site to uh, to build out, and you know potential issues that that we may have. So uh, if you're if you're free, that will be a, a live stream uh, live stream meeting that night, and we'll have links available on our website. What time does that start? Uh, that is 6.30 p.m. And do you know who the invited developers are? Uh, let's see. The current list. Let's see if I can pull it up. Let's see. We have uh, uh, Mike Kabicki, Chris DeBrosi, Steve Russell, uh, I believe, actually, I think Steve Russell left uh, Brookfield uh, Properties. Uh, there's a there's a new representative from Brookfield uh, from the from the uh, that's the Kenwood Town Center group. Uh, Eric Abrams, George Flynn, uh, Sean Angelardo, uh, Lardo. Thank you. Yep, uh, and I believe uh, we may have attendance from from uh, Greg Pancero or Greg uh, Fusero. Thanks. They, both, they, of the, both of the Gregs will be there. And they were the, he, he said both Gregs will be there, and they were also in the prior property owners group, correct? Right. Yeah. Yes, sir. So uh, I know um, now I've spoken to uh, a couple of folks from the business community that they said, hey, they know a great developer. I said, I, I, I advise them to. You know, have them contact me, and we can we can certainly send out an invite. Uh, that hasn't happened yet, but um, you know, we'll we'll accommodate anyone that's interested. 
and that would have have you know good standing and input for the meeting. Okay, uh, next week we have April twelfth is our zoning commission meeting. Uh, we have two cases. Uh, one is a major adjustment to uh, PUD. That's a uh, continuation of a case from uh, um, last month. Uh, multifamily development over in the uh, the Ross Moyne uh, Dillonville area. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, Dillonville area. Uh, that is they're they're basically proposing uh, additional additional units um, actually almost doubling in size that uh, uh, that development uh, if that gets approved that will be coming to uh, to the trustees um, uh, shortly uh, the other item we have is uh, a laser uh, that is the uh, the local alternative sign uh, regulations. Uh, it's a provision in our, our zoning resolution. Uh, it's essentially a, a signed PUD if you want to think about it that way. Uh, and instead of utilizing Chapter 13 of our of our zoning resolution with the, the provisions for uh, sign placement and size, uh, the uh, development can essentially write their own text, which can be reviewed by um, zoning commission and trustees, and we can approve that 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 localized, um, um, essentially sign regulation. So that is, I believe that's for the redstone. I think we're going to be seeing more of this from our uh, uh, our, our commercial from our office spaces. Uh, this isn't the this is the first one that that I'm seeing come through, uh, but I had multiple. Uh, laser requests uh, uh, kind of come at me all at once that are that are in different different stages of development, um, and uh, there's Redstone and and some of our other uh, larger office buildings in in the Kenwood area. Um, I think in our this new environment where we have um, you know some of the the more traditional uh, office tenants you know either either moving out or downsizing uh, there's going to be you know potentially more uh, more companies or more tenants per building and they're looking for they're looking for signage so the the the, the policy that we're essentially going to be establishing over the over the next year uh, as we review these lasers is going to kind of set the tone for um, you, know, uh, you know how we perceive signage and what we're what we're willing to allow for for businesses so that that is on the horizon uh, other than that uh, our policy documents that we're working on right now uh, we have the land use plan uh, we have the zoning text amendments and uh, of course, the the culminating document, the master plan for the for the Montgomery Road properties, um, all of those in one way or another are are going to be reviewed and vetted by uh, our land use steering committee. Uh, obviously, the land use uh, land use plan has been submitted to uh, the steering committee. We're trying to set up a um, a time now to uh, to meet, preferably in person, but we can do a Zoom meeting. Um, to, to go over the, um, the draft document um, first as soon as, as soon as we get some um, you know final direction on that, uh, we'll review that uh, the zoning text to make sure that it's in compliance with the uh, um, 
this this proposed land use plan uh, and then both of those documents will be submitted to uh, zoning commission for approval and then and then to trustees so we're well on our way to um, getting these new documents um, finalized through through our process um, the land use steering committee is also going to be tapped uh, as uh, either the the actual group or at least the core of the uh, the the charrette planning group uh, for the for the Montgomery Road properties so once we get done with these focus groups we're going to collect all of the data and input uh, and then we're going to give this to um, to this to this planning group where we're going to do some uh, kind of fast one-day exercises to to develop a, a master site or at least to discuss the ratios that were of, uh, of uses that we're going to have on the Montgomery Road properties. So and then from that exercise, we're going to be able to, to develop the, you know, the final study document. So lots of lots of policy documents coming your way. All right. Yep. Anything and else? That's all I have unless you have any questions for me. Um, in our last meeting, and which I guess was the 16th, uh, and I think this is when we did it, we, we turned down a project which had been proposed on Montgomery Road. We also approved a consent degree. Uh, for the project that was turned down, has there been any feedback from the developer about that or any plan to come back with anything else you've heard of or any threats of litigation or anything either? No one has reached out to me. Okay. Yeah. Uh, silence, silence is good, I hope. Yeah. I will comment on the, the consent decree. Um, that particular uh, developer is uh, moving forward through um, county review uh, for uh, for subdivision approval and for for site improvements. So I will need to get a uh, a zoning compliance plan from them, which is basically just a full set of plans, uh, a full size set of plans that uh, that were approved in the in the consent decree. Other than that, they um, uh, what they've submitted to the county is is consistent with what was agreed to. All right. Any questions for Mr. Miller about anything zoning related? Oh, I guess I have one more thing. Um, Mr. Work and I discussed earlier today um, the uh, compensation that we provide for uh, our Board of Zoning Appeals and, and Zoning Commission members. Uh, the language uh, that we're utilizing and the practices that that we have in place to actually pay them, um, they're not 100% in line with one another. Uh, we're looking to simplify that language so it's, it's clearer for uh, our volunteers and how they're going to be compensated uh, and, and simpler for um, you know, our HR and payroll. So um, I'm going to propose a, uh, a resolution at our next trustee meeting uh, to update that language uh, that's that's been in place since 2012. Skylar, I'm gonna jump in. I was with uh, Jeff Heidel the other night. Uh, and this is where this all came about. He's a uh, member of the Sycamore Township Board of Zoning Appeals. And he said to me, I didn't get paid a couple of months last year, and I'm not getting paid on a regular basis. And I said, absolutely. Mm -hmm. As when I was on for six and a half years, the deal was you got, whether you had a meeting or not, the zoning board and the zoning appeals board, you got $100 a month. 
Uh, and actually, when I started, it was $300 a month. Then it went to $100 a month. Now, if you missed the meeting, one meeting, that was fine. You were still paid. If you missed two meetings a year, then that, then after that, that second meeting that you missed, you're not getting paid for. And then after that, if you miss a meeting, then you don't get paid. I thought that was pretty standard, and I was surprised that uh, that he wasn't getting paid. Yeah. So the the way the resolution actually reads is uh, you'll be you'll be compensated for every meeting you attend uh, at a maximum of a hundred dollars per month. So uh, if we don't have a meeting, there's there's no compensation. Um, well, wait, wait, don't, excuse me. There was compensation before. If there's no meeting, there still was compensation. And 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 that's what I was saying about the 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 current. So the the practices do not do not match up with with the actual resolution language. So I, I would like to bring that in conformance. I would say um, I would say there should be a a, a monthly stipend that are um, uh, that our volunteers are are given. Uh, they're allowed to they're whether there's a meeting or not. And then they're allowed to miss one meeting, and if they miss any more than that, then they just they just lose that month's stipend. So I, I think the language can be can be simplified, and it can be um, more evenly distributed, I guess. And I think that's a good idea to set the rules in place, and let's then conform to the rules, but make the rules make sense. And I, I will correct one thing you said, I guess, just because the lawyer in me has to. They're not volunteers if they're being paid but we appreciate their service. They are public servants and obviously they're not doing it for the money at $100 a month with the time they have to put in for zoning matters, uh, which can be very time consuming in certain instances. So uh, we very much appreciate their service and want them to feel appreciated for what they're doing because we've got good people on the zoning commission and on the board of zoning appeals. And so let's, let's come up with a good practice here and we can vote on it in the next meeting. Okay. Very good. Uh, and at this point in time, unless unless directed otherwise, I I'm, I'm proposing to um, you know make the payments easier, but but not uh, not increase the uh, you know the monthly stipend. Um, let Let me ask about that, I guess, because from what I understand and from what Mr. LaBarbera said, it it was higher in the past. And then in 2012, when I, I think the township was in a bit of a financial crunch also because of the estate tax going away and uncertainty about a lot of things, it was cut. And Mr. Weedman, you were on the board of trustees and was there a reason it was dropped down at the time or was it just financial need? Uh, I don't recall whether it was financial need or not, but um, I, I think we all had agreed at the time that, that um, these were volunteers and a hundred dollars a month uh, in the case of whether there's a meeting or not. I thought we were paying them originally a hundred dollars a month, whether there was a meeting or not. And we figured $1,200 a year was, was adequate per person for uh, their participation in the process. So, uh, um, I mean, if that's what Skylar's thinking about doing, I, I would totally support what Skylar's suggesting. Um, again, as you suggested, they're either a volunteer or they're get, or they're, or they're being paid and while they're being paid um by the same token if you went three months without a a meeting you'd still make a hundred dollars a month for three hundred dollars total so i think that's a fair and reasonable way to approach it um in the past i think we always did that i, I didn't realize we were on this in, in 2012 a long time ago but I, I wasn't sure i didn't realize that we were on this situation where we were um 
uh, if they didn't have a meeting, they weren't getting paid. Okay. So, and I'm not sure how that got adopted originally. Um, maybe if you go back and look, I might have voted against that because I'm not sure that I would have supported that. But uh, at any rate, I think Skyler's on the right track. Another another issue that um, uh, came up at the time was, um, at, I think at $300 a meeting, it became, uh, uh, we had to pay PERS on it or something to that effect. It became, uh, uh, it yeah. triggered uh, a benefits thing and the trustees didn't want to get involved with that with the volunteer group. And, and I don't know if it started out at $300, but but just prior to this new resolution in 2012, uh, I think it was $250. I, and I don't recall it ever being $300. I thought it was $250 also. Yeah. Well, I, I thought it was $250, and, and Jeff Heidel corrected me the other day. He said, no, it was $300. So I thought it was $250 also. And I think it, the $100 came about, I believe there was some research, and they called Colrain Township and Green, I think. I think they did a little research on that, the, the board, the previous board at that time. And that's how well, I, I, I know they did not want to get involved with having to pay PERS and benefits to the volunteer boards. And that's, and it, at a certain level, that that is triggered. Now, I, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head what it is, but it may be $300 a month. I don't know. Okay. All right, well, we'll take a look at this in our next meeting then with the resolution Mr. Miller brings to us. So, um, Skylar, anything else then? Uh, no, uh, Chief, Chief already discussed the, uh, uh, our issues down on Reading Road. Uh, we'll, we'll set up a joint task force of, of sorts and uh, see if we can um, see if we can get some, some good resolution on that site. Very good. Yeah. All right. Any questions for Mr. Miller from anyone? Then thanks, Skyler. Let's move on to our law director report. Mr. Desai, what do you have? Just one item for tonight, gentlemen. Um, we received uh, from the uh, United States Bankruptcy Court in the Purdue Pharma uh, bankruptcy, the opioid settlement, uh, opioid uh, bankruptcy, if you will, uh, two notices. One was a notice that uh, there's going to be a hearing on the disclosure statement for the Chapter 11 plan. Uh, the other is uh, notice of solicitation procedures. Um, in a nutshell, um, <clears throat> before a plan can be put out there, there has to be a disclosure statement put forth by the debtor um, disclosing certain financial aspects. Um, that's nothing that uh, we're going to get involved with. Um, but the other notice, which was the solicitation procedures, that's important because that hits on the Chapter 11 plan that is being proposed. Um, and as you may know, the way these plans work, uh, there are different classes of creditors. Um, primarily, the unsecured creditors, such as us, are the ones that can take a hit. Um, and that's why the debtor has to get a certain percentage of voting in favor of the plan. So I went ahead and I filled out the solicitation directive. Uh, they will be, I submitted that on uh, Friday, April 2nd to the prime clerk that's handling the, the um, filings and all that for uh, the debtor. They will be sending what's called a solicitation package along with the actual hard copy of the ballots to Ray. Um, and then once those come in, um, it's going to be up to the board of trustees to take a vote 
on whether they want to accept or reject the plan. When that time comes, um, I'll be prepared to do a brief presentation on what the Chapter 11 plan is proposing, uh, and in particular, what it's proposing with regard to our class of claims. So that's uh, the one item I had to discuss tonight. I'm happy to entertain any questions about that. Are we talking substantial money there or some expectation of that? I, there's certainly an expectation. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's the, it, the devil's really going to be in the details, um, you know, because typically the unsecured creditor claims get chopped off pretty good, you know, where you're paying 40 cents on a dollar, you know, mm -hmm. 10 cents on the dollar. Um, and it will be very interesting to see because obviously there are thousands of municipalities, um, you know, local governments that um, have uh, skin in the game. So mm -hmm. it'll be very interesting to see what they're proposing um, and then whether or not they'll get approval of that plan. Um, but once we get the package, uh, once the ballots are in, um, what I'm planning on doing is um, uh, just prevent, uh, presenting kind of a uh, synopsis of the plan, especially as it pertains to our claim. And um, it'll give you a better idea of what kind of numbers out there. Um, you know, this also, of course, is coupled with the settlement agreement that was reached um, and I forget the name of the, of the group, but, you know, we, we joined into the one Ohio plan or whatever it was called for the, uh, settlement agreement. So, uh, the two things are, are intertwined. Um, <clears throat> clearly they're not going to have enough money to pay everything a hundred cents on the dollar. And so once we get to, uh, the, the point that the package comes in and they're ready to ask for votes, we'll dive into the plan and, um, we'll, at least have a, a better idea of what we're going to get. I, I don't think it's ever going to be final until you actually see that paycheck. And, and again, if they don't get the plan approved, um, they'll have to come back with a new plan. So remains okay. to be seen. All right. Any questions for Mr. Desai about that or anything? And we have an executive schedule, sorry, executive session scheduled with you later on in the meeting. So we'll come back to that then. All right, let's uh, move on to our administrator report then. Mr. Warwick. Gentlemen, I have uh, for your consideration this evening a resolution that would retire or pay off the uh, ban or the bond anticipation note that we have on the uh, maintenance building with a little bit of uh, road funding uh, lumped into it. Um, you may recall we renewed this uh, uh, last year for another year. And uh, what I have uh, before you this evening is uh, a resolution that would allow us to retire it. If you scroll down to uh, page two, you'll see a chart there, uh, which shows where the money will come from. A small amount of it, uh, it's a total of, uh, excuse me, the $4,341,078.44. $228,502.16 will come out of uh, road expenses. And the reason for that is a portion of that money uh, when that, that uh, ban was put together was that. And uh, by keeping a history of how the, the payments have been applied uh, and Brenda Weimer, our bond council was uh, helping us do that. And so she uh, uh, suggested that uh, uh, 225,000 or 225,000 of principal 
and $3,205.16 of interest would go out of the uh, road expenses. There's plenty of money in there uh, at this point and it is appropriated. Uh, the rest of it would come out of uh, TIFs. The bulk of it, the biggest part there, um, the 3,762,576.28 is the Kenwood TIF that started the year with about $7.7 million in it. So there's plenty of money there. Um, and then a smaller portion would be taken out of the TIF uh, 27, uh, $350,000 of the remaining principal. Uh, that is a lot of cash to pay off one huge bill. Uh, I think Mr. Porter's anticipated this. It was in the, in the budget. So there's plenty of cash there. If you approve this tonight and we go ahead and make this payment, uh, two things. Uh, obviously, he has uh, uh, near liquid laddered CDs that he could call into play if he had to. I don't think that'll be necessary because we should be receiving our first half uh, uh, tax settlement actually any day now. Uh, and that's typically around $10 million. And after that comes in, then Mr. Porter certainly can then go back and, and uh, uh, put all that into his treasury uh, strategy. Um, this would allow us to retire that. It would say it saves us cost of reissuing and reissue and also some interest costs. And uh, so that would take out operating costs that that would be ongoing and they would uh, cease at this point. Mr. Warwick, what are these, what's the current interest rate on these bonds? Oh, very, very low. I think they, remember they sold out in like three minutes. I'm gonna say one and a half. I mean, it's 1.55%. In light of the fact that we're only at 1.55, is, is this a good idea to do in light of the fact that maybe we might have some serious inflation coming our way with all the government spending we have? Might, they, might the interest rate go considerably higher and we might be able to use this money to uh, uh, possibly, and, I, and maybe I'll direct that to Mr. Porter, uh, might we be able to use that in, if, uh, if we have the ability to make more money on it than the 1.55? And I'm not saying whether we do or we don't, I'm just, I'm arg my argument might be that we probably are gonna get some considerable inflation coming up because of the trillions and trillions of dollars the government's spending and doesn't know where the hell they're getting it from. So uh, maybe, uh, Rob, could you weigh in on that? Well, I, actually, that's more than we're, we can get on our money right now. Interest rates are still really low. So, I get that. Yeah, I get yeah. that. So, you know, I mean, it's a policy decision for you guys. I have no objection to doing it. Okay. You'd have to make it permanent also, Tom, if you wanted to, you know, lock in at right. these lower rates. Right. Either way, we have to renew it or do something with it by May, correct? Yes. Yeah. So, well, if, if we have the money available and we can pay off the debt, better to be debt-free than paying a low interest rate even then, I would think, if we're not anticipating the need to borrow money as to something else later, that money would already be or otherwise be used for. Um, and if Mr. Porter is good with this too, from a fiscal perspective, then I think it makes sense to go ahead and pay off this obligation. It looks like that was the plan from when this began anyway. Um, Tracy, you have comments? You popped in. I was just thinking about it. It's, uh, it's obviously a lot of money 
you know, and not knowing what's going to happen in the future uh, with all our Jeds. That's that's my concern. You know, with everybody not working, with people still working at home. You know, what's gonna what's gonna happen there? We have a very solid credit rating, though, don't we, Mr. Porter, if we were to need to borrow in the future for some future project? Yes, we do. We have a very solid credit rating. Porter's on board. Mr. Warwick's on board. I'm, I'm on board with this. I'll read the title. May, may I? I'm, oh, sorry, I'm sorry. Let me let me ask one question. I mentioned this to you earlier. The one in the packet here. There is a typo, which is probably inconsequential, but principal should be principal in the financial context. Can we correct that in the final signed version after we go through this, or would we need to do that right now? Well, let's let's let me read the title, and I think in the motion you could say we'll pass it, and I'll I'll fix the typo. Okay. A Tom, resolution. Is that in the table is that what you're referring to? Yes, in the table. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's obvious what it means, but nonetheless. <laughs> a resolution authorizing payment in full of various purpose limited tax general obligation bond anticipation notes, dispensing with the second reading and declaring an emergency. All right, is there a motion to approve this resolution? Motion. All right, I will second the uh, motion. I will move to amend the motion to approve the resolution with the uh, correction to the word principal in the places it appears in the table to be PAL. Is there a second to the motion to amend? Second to a motion to amend. All right, uh, any further discussion? All right, Mr. Weedman, do you think this is a bad idea? You were suggesting that, it seems. I'm not suggesting whether it's a good idea or a bad idea. I, uh, I mean, in, in the comment that Tracy made is a pretty legitimate comment that we, you know, the fact that we have money on hand uh, and we're paying such a low interest rate, it just concerns me a little bit that we're maybe rushing to judgment on this for before we uh, uh, before we know what we might be encountering in the short term and longer term future. Uh, uh, economically. So I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that it's a good idea or a bad idea. I'm just, I'm a little concerned about where the, where we're going in the, uh, uh, financially in this country and what's going to happen if our interest rates, I can remember the first time I bought a house and I paid like 19% interest rate on that house. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, if we get to those crazy numbers, uh, this is going to make 1.5 look awfully big on good. And so I'm just a little concerned. I mean, yeah. I, don't, I don't have the right answers. I certainly don't have the right answers uh, uh, on what's going to happen in the next 12 months as it relates to, uh, to interest rates. Mm. They can't go any lower. I can only tell you that. They're only going to go up, if anything. And so for that reason, I'm just a little apprehensive about doing this. But, I mean, it's clear that you, you two want to do that. So uh, I think we, you know, we're all entitled to a vote. I think we move forward the way we... The way we are right sure, and, and I recognize the concern, but I think I think paying it off is is the move to make here. Um, I don't foresee future borrowing where we're going to need to be doing that in the imminent future, but I share your concern about what the current administration is 
spending money on and where it's going and how they're going to pay for it sometime. Um, any further discussion? I just want to point out there is an emergency clause in Section 6, which requires unanimous vote of the trustees. That is a good point because the bond is then up for renewal when, if this does not pass unanimously. May 12th. Uh, all right. So 30 days would still get it done. Okay. Mr. Work, what about is um, what about the maturity date? How does that how does that play in? I thought they had a maturity date of May fourth in their document. Yeah, I don't know. I thought thought the date was May twelfth. I don't I don't know. I mean, just in Exhibit A, it, it, there's a maturity date of May fourth, and I don't know. Well, then I I could I, maybe I'm saying that in error. It may be May fourth. The one of the recitals says the notes had an accrual start date of May 5th, 2020, and have a maturity date of May 4th, 2021. All right, then it's not May 12th. My apologies. It's May 4th. And the only reason I bring that up is, you know, uh, what we've got 30 days in April. So 24, May 5th is 29, if I'm doing my math right. Mm -hmm. So. I just wanted to point out the emergency, the importance of that emergency clause. Well, it seems it's in Mr. Weedman's hands, perhaps, then here as to where we go if things are headed where I think. Uh, any further discussion before we call the vote? Mr. Porter, will you call the roll for the vote, please? Mr. LaBarbera? Aye. Mr. James? Aye. Mr. Weedman? No. Well, all right, with that not passing with an emergency clause, but taking effect two days after the maturity date of the bonds, where does that leave us? Don't everybody speak at once. Well, we either have to, uh, we, 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 if it, if it uh, isn't going to work, we either have to uh, renew the bonds again mm -hmm. or uh, possibly make them permanent. We have what, to get what kind of rate can we get for on permanent? I would guess that we would get a pretty good rate. I don't think things have changed that much at it, this it'd point. It'd be low. It'd be low right now. But we need underwriting time and all that, so we'd have to get moving on it like tomorrow. And to move forward with that, is that going to require a vote of us this evening then to direct you to do that? I think just a motion. I don't. <clears throat> All right. Is there a motion related to this discussion from anyone? I would make a motion that we move forward on uh, uh, finding uh, uh, permanent, permanent bond rates for this uh, current situation. Is there a second? Mr. I'm sorry, Mr. Weedman, if, if I might just suggest, do you want to maybe make that a bit broader to give him some flexibility to also see what just a renewal rate would be? Even if yes, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's a good idea. Um, so I, I'll make a motion that we allow, uh, that we have Mr. Warwick go out and uh, find what the, both the permanent rates and the uh, renewal rates would be for the, for this, uh, for these bonds. And I'll second that. All right. Any further discussion as to that? All right. Uh, Mr. Porter, will you call the roll? Mr. LaBarbera? Aye. Mr. James? Aye. Mr. Weedman? Aye. 
All right. Do you think you'll be able to get that to us by our next meeting so we can act on it? Because time will be pressing. Oh, it may even be before that. We may have to call a little special session. Okay. All okay. right. Uh, what else have you got for us? Well, we had some large POs, and the first one that was teed up was the PO for this. So we'll disregard that. And then the other thing I would point out in Mr. Porter's uh, check run, we had already uh, had listed that large check in the check run. So we'll be pulling that out of the check run. Uh, okay. So that will lower uh, the amount by that 4 million, whatever it was. Mr. So the Ward, other- Mr. Wark, and I'm, I'm sorry to jump in and I'm just thinking out loud here. So we had a resolution that was passed. The second reading was dispensed because that just requires a majority. So it's really just a question of when the resolution actually goes into effect. So does it does it still make sense to pull that PO or should the trustees still vote upon that? I'm just throwing that out there. I, I'm just trying to sort that out of my head. Yeah, I don't see why they would entertain this PO at this time. And depending on what we find out and how, how that lines up, I mean, I'll, I'll be back to the board as quick as I can. Question. Uh, question along those lines and not to be working around you, Tom, on your vote on this. You're entitled to your opinion and your decision, I understand. But we have passed a resolution saying pay off the bonds. Unfortunately, it can't happen until two days after they come due currently. Is there a short-term refinance that can be approved by a majority vote only rather than unanimous that would only last two days that could be accomplished? here without the, I guess we still have the emergency conundrum here. Um, we don't want them going in default for two days. Don't know the answer to that. Yeah, I don't either. Presumably we may need to rescind the vote on the resolution, uh, which could wait until the next meeting. Well, we well yeah, I mean, I think what we'll know by the next meeting is is how we're going to, you know, skin this cat. Are we going to refinance it or are we going to get a permanent rate? And I think at that point we would rescind or at least entertain uh, rescinding this resolution. But for now, I think you let the resolution stand. I mean, the emergency clause is just about the effective date. It's not about the actual policy decision. You know, the policy decision by the board was to pay off this note. Um, so I, I think you leave the resolution stand. And I understand what Mr. Wark is saying, that there's no point in putting the PO to the trustees if it's not a PO that he can act on for 30 days. Yeah. Am I hearing you correctly, Mr. Wark? Yeah. Okay. Depending so, on which way this turns, we got plenty of time to, to put a, a PO before the board. Okay. And during this interim, I, I will ask Mr. Weedman if you'll consider this. I know you've considered it carefully, but consider it further. We can always decide otherwise in our next meeting and decide to pay it off, or you may convince us it was a bad idea from the start too, but things are always open to change. So. Okay. I have a couple of other... for me. I, I, I would agree. No, I'd, like I to see the rate. I'd like to see the rate, so let's see what it looks like. 
Sure. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, I have some uh, just uh, once again, these are blanket POs that we're just uh, uh, taking some of money that's already been appropriated by the board and the budget and just uh, creating the PO so the departments can continue to function. And this is just the way we're doing it this year. It's a little bit of cash and uh, spending management on our part. The first one is uh, PO 8716A, and it's uh, for an uh, account that's called administrative contracts. And we'd like to open up a blanket for $88,600. Uh, motion to approve. Second. Any discussion? Yeah, can you uh, explain what, what this would include, administrative con administration contracts? Uh, there's various things that we would do if, it, if we had contract labor, like we do now with the person helping us with the, uh, the UAM conversion. Um, and there's probably several little smaller contracts. Any further questions or discussion? All right, Mr. Porter, will you call the roll? Hello, Barbara. Aye. Mr. James. Aye. Mr. Weedman. Aye. The next one is uh, purchase order 8757A. This is for fire contract services. This is in the amount of $29,580.81. Uh, and we, we have this stamped then and now because some of this uh, is ongoing. And I think this is uh, calibration and ongoing maintenance of uh, defibrillators and the uh, breathing apparatus. If Chief Penny's still on, Motion I think I got approve. that right. Motion to approve. Second. Any discussion? All right, Mr. Porter, will you call the roll, please? Mr. LaBarbera? Aye. Mr. James? Aye. Mr. Weedman? Aye. Next Ray, is 80. Right. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Next is 8757B, and this is for that, that same uh, uh, account, Fire Contract Services. Since that other one will use up most all of the money that's been put in a PO out of the appropriations, we're asking to add $10,000 more in a blanket in that category. Motion to approve. Second. Any discussion? Mr. Porter, call the roll, please. Mr. LaBarbera? Aye. Mr. James? Aye. Mr. Weedman? Aye. The next is 8790B is in boy. This is uh, COVID expenses. Once again, the money's there. Uh, it's been appropriated by the board because you appropriated all of it. And we simply uh, want to open a blanket for $100,000 um, uh, for various things that uh, we'll, we will probably, when we can take advantage of COVID money to, to, to buy things. Motion to approve. Second. Any discussion? Mr. Porter? LaBarbera? Aye. Mr. James? Aye. Mr. Weedman? Aye. That's all I have. All right, uh, Mr. Porter, we've kept you waiting patiently here. It's your turn now. What do you have for us this evening? Well, I have um, receipts of $765,853.80. I did have disbursements of $5,098,400, I mean, $646.85 
that would now be less the uh, four thousand four million plus that uh, will not be spent at this time. Motion to approve. Second. Can we actually do the math quickly and state that on the record here? Um, <clears throat> what's, what's the number, Ray? Do you know what that is? Uh, yeah. Here, let me do it real quick. <clears throat> I don't have a calculator here. I have a calculator right here. That would make the uh, new disbursement uh, total for this evening $757,568.41. All right, and we had a motion and a second as to that amount, which we have now provided the math for. Any further discussion as to that? Mr. Porter, will you call the roll, please? Mr. LaBarber? You're muted, Mr. LaBarber? Could, could you unmute and say that out loud, please? Aye. Thank you. Uh, Mr. James? Aye. Mr. Weedman? Aye. All right. Anything else from the fiscal end, Mr. Porter? Nothing else, Sam. All right. Thanks, sir. Um, we will move on then to trustee comments. Mr. Weedman? Yeah. Um, I participated on our Zoom call on Monday as a member of the Hamilton County COVID defense team, and then today with all of our local elected officials also by Zoom. On Monday, we got a sneak preview with Governor DeWine of his new order, which includes no capacity limits for outdoor events, but continues to keep the 25% capacity limit in place for, for inside activities. Also, masks and social distancing are still required at this time. On Thursday, the governor will be addressing events like high school proms and graduations and those kind of things. As you may know, the legislature passed SB 22, which puts a 90-day expiration on the state of emergency issued by the governor. It would also allow the General Assembly to rescind any orders or rules, such as health orders, in response to, the state, to that state of emergency. It was vetoed by Governor DeWine, and the legislature overrode his veto. This law takes effect on June 24th and has the potential to add significant changes to the rules that currently exist. On the vaccine front, things continue to progress quite successfully. There is still high demand on the vaccine distribution system, but there have been many successes in the process. As you probably know, both Pfizer and Moderna vaccines use mRNA in their vaccines, and they require ultra cold temperatures for storage and distribution while the Johnson & Johnson vaccine uses an adenovirus, which includes which include more stable molecules that do not require refrigeration. This makes the J&J &J vaccine much more flexible and easier to distribute in mass. Ohio was, Ohio was to receive 173,000 doses of the J&J &J vaccine this week, but for the next two weeks, we are only slated to receive 60,000 per week unless increased quantities are made available. Most of these are going to be used for the large regional distribution sites. As Mr. James mentioned previously, if you're only interested in the J&J &J vaccine, but have not had any luck in getting an appointment at one of those sites and are willing to drive to get it, 
I can tell you that the regional site at Wilmington Airport still had hundreds of doses of the J&J vaccine available as a couple of hours ago. If you are using one of the search apps, enter the zip code 45107, and it should direct you to that option for sign up. I believe Mr. James gave you the incorrect zip code earlier in the meeting of 45117, but it's actually 45107. The zip code 45117 will give you Cincinnati uh, sites only. Um, there's also a statewide push to get as many college students as possible vaccinated while they're still on campus and before they return home for the summer. The goal is to make the J&J &J vaccine available on college campus throughout Ohio in the coming weeks. The Pfizer vaccine has now been approved for use in people under 18 years of age. The governor is working on a program to get this vaccine into high schools for distribution. There will be more to follow on that in the coming days. There's a new program in the county to help those that are homebound and would like to get the vaccine but not, cannot get to a vaccine distribution site. The county is setting aside approximately 1,000 doses of the J&J &J vaccine for use in this program. Yesterday, I spoke with Greg Kesterman, Hamilton County Health Director, and got Sycamore Township signed up for the program, which will enable Chief Penny staff to distribute the vaccine to any of our homebound residents. I also did have a conversation with, um, with the chief and he's, he, he, they have the capability of doing that. So uh, hopefully we'll get that program underway shortly. I think we've had some uh, requests already from homebound people to get the vaccine. So that should work out great. Um, the county has been very successful, successful so far and continue to get the vaccine distribution out to all of the residents. In fact, 33% of the Hamilton County population has received at least one dose of vaccine and nearly 75% of the population, 65 years of age and older, have received at least one dose of the vaccine as well. So it's really getting out there. They're doing a good job of it. As a member of the Hamilton County EMA Homeland Security Board, I can tell you that our director, Nick Crosley, has done an excellent job in working with multiple agencies to get both vaccine and PPE distributed to those in places in need. We currently have a significant supply of PPE, so that if you are a Sycamore Township small business and you need help in that area, please contact me at 979-4700, and I'd be happy to facilitate that to you, uh, uh, to you in, in that area. Uh, as you may know, the federal government recently passed the American Rescue Plan to help all citizens with a sig significantly devastating impact the COVID-19 pandemic has had on the people of, U of the U.S., their businesses, and the communities they live in. This legislation was designed to help all U.S. citizens. Unfortunately, it left out a significant amount of the population that live in approximately nine states. The description of the communities that those people live in that were left out of benefits in the American Rescue Plan were defined in the legislation as, quote, non-entitlement non units of government. That is a unit of government that does not receive community development block grants or CDBG grants funds from directly to them. In Ohio, that would include townships. While we have 300,000 residents in Hamlin County that live in townships, which is equivalent to the entire Cincinnati of Cincinnati, the entire city of Cincinnati, and 35% of the entire Ohio population lives in, in uh, living in townships, we still were left without without a, we're left out of the legislation because in Ohio we are defined as a non-entitlement unit of government by federal government definition. I've been working diligently with Senator Portman and Senator Brown's staff, as well as the Ohio Township Association, to petition Secretary Tre Treasury Secretary Yellen 
to modify the guidelines of the legislation prior to the 45-day wait period after the legislation was signed by the president and before they begin distribution of funds. As, as of late this afternoon, we had not gotten a ruling from Secretary Yellen on this, but we continue to push hard for a positive outcome. Both the Republican and Democratic congressional delegations from Ohio have signed letters in support of modifying the distribution of funds to non-entitlement units of government in Ohio. It is interesting to note that nearly $2 billion was allocated in the American Rescue Plan legislation to counties across America that do not even exist. Federal government was never known for their efficiency or accuracy, that's for sure. We will address this subject with further updates in our upcoming Hamlin County Township Association meeting at the end of the month. I'm, I'm still trying to determine a date for that meeting as I work through the, around the different monthly trustee meetings in the county and find a date that works for our guests as well. Hopefully we will have that confirmed by the end of this week. Finally, I wanna remind our residents as Tracy, as Tracy uh, uh, is quarterbacking so diligently that the trash bash is once again here. The North Trash Bash, at Cle Cle Trash Bash is at Cleet McDaniel Sports Complex on Friday, April 9th from 12 to 4 and April 10th from 8 to 4. And the South Trash Bash will be held at Bechtel Park on April 23rd from 12 to, 12 to 4 and on April 24th from 8 to 4. We also have document shredding behind the administration building on April 17th from 10 to 2. These are all great services that our residents have come to utilize, and we look forward to another successful year with these events. That's all I have this evening. Thanks, Tom. Mr. LaBarber, comments? Okay, I was also on that call this morning uh, with uh, Greg Kesterman, the Hamilton County Public Health Update, and uh, the goal is 80% of the population gets vaccinated by July 4th. Uh, it's uh, Greg Kesterman, the health commissioner, was talking about the Cases were trending in the right direction. 47 people, only 27 in hospitals now. And a third of the Hamilton County uh, residents have already been vaccinated. I want to give a thank you to Hamilton County Auditor Dusty Rhodes, the um, County Auditors Association of Ohio. We were talking about, uh, Tom mentioned, the Honorable Janet Yellen, Secretary for the U.S. Department of Treasury. They, they are also trying to uh, get her to uh, help us out on behalf of the County Auditors Association of Ohio and the 88 counties uh, that we represent. Incumbencing uh, 1,308 townships in Ohio, they're writing a letter in support of including townships in the definition of non-entitlement units of local government in the American Rescue Plan Act uh, of 2021. And uh, it is clear, uh, as we've gone over, we've talked about this before in the meeting, that the intent of the act is to provide direct aid to every unit of local government. The definition of non-entitlement units of local government in the act of law does not only exclude townships in the state of Ohio, but also Illinois, Indiana, Kansas, Missouri, Nebraska, North Dakota, and South Dakota. Now, uh, we did talk with um, uh, the representative for uh, the uh, office of uh, Brad Winstrip, and, and he's, he's on board with us, and he's trying to get help to us to see what's going on with this. I know Steve Shabbat remarked that, hey, uh, well, they, you know, they, it's the Democrats, and they, uh, they own bo both places, the House and Representatives, and they voted on party lines. And this morning, Denise Driehaus mentioned that she had talked uh, directly with uh, uh, 
Sherrod Brown for an update. And he said, and I quote, there is no update. So that's what's going on. And that's something that we are being shut out of. And hopefully uh, we can turn that around. And again, the only other thing I had to say is that uh, uh, this COVID thing when it's over, uh, hopefully we'll have a, a party in the park with some live music. And uh, I'm glad we're going to look at this Jeff Heidel situation, getting paid $100 a month to the members of the different boards we have, zoning and zoning appeals board. And to the residents, stay safe and, and stay healthy. Thanks, Jim. Um, I, I will add, we're all concerned about townships getting cut out of the uh, feeding from the federal trough here, but I, I fear there's not a way they can regulate around this. Congress was unfortunately pretty explicit in what they passed in the end, and they just left us out. Um, I hope there's some magic they can pull out of their hat for that uh, so we get some share of this money, but we'll see. Um, Mr. Weedman, I, I didn't misspeak with that zip code. I think Mr. Kesterman may have. He was imprecise, but I ran the number he said this morning during that call because I actually did do the search myself. And yes, you could find the Wilmington Air Park with 45107, but it's in the 45117 zip code. And when I reran it with that, it turned up much higher in the list. That's why I did specifically indicate that number. Okay, because uh, I, I, he had said on the Monday meeting, he said 45107, and I looked at that, and that is, yeah. uh, I looked it up, and that's Blanchester, but if I put in 117, right. it looks like it's Cincinnati. No, that, that is what he said this morning, also was 107, but I ran it as 117, and it turned up. That's the zip code of the air park. Um, in, anyway. anyway. Either way, uh, if it shows up in both, that's good. Yeah, so just thought I'd point that out. Um, cicadas are coming, everyone beware. Tracy, I hope you're ready. That's going to be some cleaning in places, I think, and raking. And uh, just interesting story I'll tell here quickly, uh, contrasting Ohio and Kentucky in records requests. Ohio is, is pretty, pretty open with its government here. We try to be that way in the township too. Um, if you request a record, you should get it unless there's a legal exemption saying you won't. If you send an email request asking for the record to be emailed to you, that should happen. I made a records request to a Kentucky, uh, the, the Cabinet of Economic Development, I think it was. Uh, that's one of their internal departments in the government and asked for some records pertaining to a client a few weeks ago and asked them just to email me PDF copies of whatever they found. Three or four days later at my office, I got an overnight delivery packet with a letter and a flash drive in it with their response which I thought was curious. Maybe there's a lot there. Well, there was a nine-page black and white 200-kilobyte PDF in there. I'm glad I'm not a Kentucky taxpayer paying to FedEx USB <laughs> drives to people to send them nine pages of something that could have been emailed. Uh, at least I got a response, I suppose. But in Ohio, I hope we do it better and cheaper. In the township, we certainly strive to. So anyway, for announcement changes, uh, check our schedule on the newly updated Sycamore Township website, which is looking pretty sharp these days. Uh, picture of our new sign on there too. So you can check the calendar there for that. I understand we have an executive session here uh, on our agenda. Um, I will make the motion for that this time to move us along. I move that we adjourn into executive session with Law Director Deepak Desai as permitted by Ohio Revised Code Section 121.22 to consider pending litigation. Second. And so we have a second. Um, and into this executive session, we'll invite the three trustees, Mr. Kellums, Mr. Warwick, Mr. Porter, and Mr. Desai. Do we need Mr. Miller along for this? 
anyone speaking up? Mr. Miller is yes, welcome yes. as well. Yes. All right. Yes. All right. Uh, so we have a motion and a second. Uh, any further discussion as to that? All right. Call the roll, Mr. Porter. Ms. Laura Barbara. Aye. Mr. James. Aye. Mr. Weedman. Aye. All right. Now I'll note it is 9.39 p.m. as we are adjourning into the executive session. Are we going to be moved into a waiting room or are we stopping the stream? I think there's a room. See everybody later. All right, thanks, Chief. Take care, Chief. All right, there is a room invite. And we can take a break for two okay. or three minutes here first if anyone needs a restroom break. Just on the blue button there.
All right, Rob Ebel, are we live again? All right, we are back from executive session. It is precisely 10 p.m. right now. Um, any business to take care of coming out of there, first of all? Motion to adjourn. Uh, I'll second that. Let me, let me say one thing before we vote. Earlier, the zip code I gave was incorrect, although the one that uh, Mr. Kesterman gave was also not the most precise one. It is 45177, not 17. So wanted to correct that. And that's um, for what? What is that for? That is for searching for the Wilmington Air Park J&J mass vaccination site, which has hundreds of appointments available. Um, so anyway, just wanted to point that out. Mr. Miller, did you have a comment before we vote on the uh, Yes, that information is now on the uh, Township Facebook page. All right, thank you. And thank you for pointing out to me that the number I had stated I had the wrong digit in it too. So anyway, we have a motion to adjourn in a second. Uh, Mr. Porter, will you call the roll? Mr. LaBarbera? Aye. Mr. James? Aye. Mr. Weedman? Aye. And bye-bye. <laughs> Thanks, Good night, everybody. Night. Stay safe, stay healthy.